Salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn show on the internet, the John Campy Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. You made it through to the end of another week. May you have a wonderful weekend filled with fun and relaxation. Lay at the head of you so that you can face a new week next week filled again with triumph and victory. All glory to you. All right, guys. We are so glad that you're joining us here today. I'm, of course, not alone. I'm joined by the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing, sir? John, there's a new George Miller film in the theaters this week. Oh, A Thousand Years of Longing. A Thousand Years of Longing. I don't care. George Miller rules. Maybe this is his next Witches of Eastwick. Don't care. I can't wait to see it. Uh, sitting right beside him. And she is sporting a Joey Bishop today. Joey Bishop. Chris Carr is here with Joey Bishop. Yeah. How, how is Joey Bishop here today? No Aaron Cummings. Well, Aaron Cummings is shooting in Canada. She's shooting Nancy Drew. And so yeah. Taylor is dog-sitting Joey Bishop, so I'm going to steal her for a little bit. Aww. I'm so happy. Uh, joining us also over there. He doesn't have a dog on his lap, but he's uh, pretty good anyway. Joining you guys in live chat. Mr. Ray Ora, who was partying uh, it up last night at the big Filipino uh, family gathering. Oh man, that was uh <laughs> that was an experience there, huh? Did you sing in karaoke? No, I didn't. Why not? My auntie sang. Oh my god. And she sang very well. We had a lot Tita of food Dot? Too. Yep. She got up there mm. and like like first of all, I, I I've heard that that the Filipinos like their karaoke, right? But in none of the Filipino family gatherings that I've been at, which has been the more immediate family stuff, has there been karaoke. This was like the big get-together because they had a Tito and Tita from, from the Philippines in visiting. And Tita Dot got up there, and she didn't go for a softball. They did ABBA's Dancing Queen. Wow. And man, did she belt it. And Ann yep. and her sister got up on the dance floor, and even Ray was like his... His drink and whatever, and everybody, you know, like, whatever like I could do with my Filipinos. arm. I dance with one arm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 75 Filipinos, and then me and my brother in law and sister's husband, also a Canadian white dude. So then, then there was us, <laughs> who ironically were about six inches taller than everybody else. I was telling, like, wow. <laughs> I was telling them to go up there and request the Canadian national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> him and my brother-in-law just sing it at a Filipino karaoke bar. Well, you know, that always burns up the karaoke <laughs> yeah. charts. Ooh. The Canadian Burning up the karaoke anthem. chart. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Listen, we are so glad you're... Oh, and you know what I'm doing today to celebrate the weekend? I'm going to go see Rogue One tonight in IMAX. Whoa. This guy, I'm very <laughs> excited about that. Anyway, guys, super glad that you're joining us here today, and here's how today's show is going to go. Uh, boy, did we get ready? Did we get that graphic ready? Yeah, yeah, By the way? Okay, great. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to do the first half of the show covering a bunch of predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. The way we do that is, number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics here today, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That'll be your cue to fire in your thoughts, theories, opinions, questions, comments, whatever. And we will read those off and address them in the second half of the show. But also... Little bit of an announcement here. You know what? Let me get the podcast stuff out of the way first. Uh, housekeeping, if you need your daily fix of the John Campion Show, but you can't always be in front of a YouTube video, we've got our audio-only version of the show, the John Campion Show podcast. Go and find it on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. Also, want to let you guys know, speaking of podcasts, hey, you know what the number nine podcast is <laughs> on the iTunes feed right now? After show. That's right, guys. So thank you to everybody who went and subscribed uh, to it on your favorite podcasting app of choice. 
do us a favor, keep doing it. Just go down, find this show. You just search for After Show John Campia Podcast. Subscribe to it today, rate it, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, let's see if we can get it higher than even number nine. I, I still can't believe we got into the top 10. We're like right beside Jon Stewart and, and his podcast. So thank you to everybody who helped us do that. That is amazing. All right, guys. A little bit of an announcement here. Going to let you know, and we'll remind you guys of this uh, at the end of the show too. Uh, we recently announced that we uh, just kind of signed a really, the most major sponsorship deal we've ever had on the John Campia Show with our friends at Mint Mobile. And we said there's going to be kind of a cool little thing that we're going to be doing moving forward. Well, starting Monday, we are starting a new little segment. And that little segment we're going to be starting Monday is the Mint Mobile Hotline Question of the Day, mm. where you guys can call in anytime, 24-7, if you've got a question for the show, and you can actually leave your voicemail. And uh, you see the number right there. The number, the, the hotline is 951 951- 268-4259. Once again, that's 951-268-4259, where you guys can call in, leave your voice message. Uh, you know, you got to keep it to 20 seconds or less. You leave your name, whatever. And uh, every day, we're going to pick one of those hotline questions you guys send. We're going to play the, the message that you guys leave, and we'll answer the question on the show. So again, starting Monday is our new Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Thanks to our friends at Mint Mobile. And uh, so, guys, you can actually start calling. You can send in your question today if you want. Wow. Because uh, we're going to play the first one on Monday. So, again, thank you so much to our friends at Mint Mobile. John, do the people at Mint Mobile, have they named their mascot that little fox? That's a very good question. I don't know. I see that fox, and I think that fox is definitely marketable. I want one. <laughs> but what is the name of their fox? I think Gucci. they should name the fox TJ after TJCS, the John Campia show. No, it's well, actually Scoochie. It's Scoochie. Scoochie. <laughs> Former mascot. Scoochie the Fox. He's been out of work since that club in Seattle since closed 1985. down. And finally found work again <laughs> with Mint Mobile. Do Actually, Dovin was the DJ. Oh, yeah. Maybe it Dovin. could be Dovin the Fox. Dovin the Fox. Hmm. All right, guys. With all that down, let's get into it. And we're going to start things off here today with an off the top. And that off the top is this. You guys will remember that we just recently on the show talked about the fact that there was a rumor going around that WandaVision director, Matt Shackman, uh, who got nominated for an Emmy for his work on WandaVision and directed WandaVision to several Emmy nominations, was in talks to possibly become the Fantastic Four director. Now, we cautioned everybody to say that all of that, all those rumors, even though it was reported on a lot of places, it was only coming from one place. They were all quoting the same source, and that was the direct who we talk about and we we quote and reference the director often, but they're not Variety or, yeah. you know, the, the Hollywood Reporter or whatever. So we said, yeah, just keep in mind, this has only come from one source, but, you know, but we talked about it. Well, they're not the only source anymore. Deadline has now come out and reported that their sources have now confirmed to them that talks are now underway with Matt Shackman to be the director of WandaVision. Now, they are... Uh, I should say uh, Deadline is quick to point out that no deal has been reached and no offer has officially been made, but the talks are now ongoing. Mm. Apparently, they found the guy they would like to direct it. Now, whether they cross the finish line on this, it looks likely at this point, but who knows? Obviously, the reports are saying that Kevin Feige was incredibly impressed with what he was able to do on one division, but it's more than one division. When you look at him, his, I mean, his movie credentials are limited to say the least 
But he has directed on such television shows as obviously WandaVision, right? But he's also directed episodes of Succession, of The Boys, of Billions, of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, of which he directed 43 episodes of It's Only Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Game of Thrones, American Gothic, The Good Wife, uh, You're the Worst, Grace and Frankie, Revenge, Fargo, Psych, which a lot of people have been writing in to tell me about, Mad Men, New Girl, House, uh, The Good Guys, Chuck, I loved Chuck, Children's Hospital, which I love too, uh, Weeds, uh, The Nine, uh, Everybody Hates Chris, uh, it, it just goes on and on, <laughs> like this guy's got, this guy's worked on a lot of very high profile stuff, a lot of, from comedy to drama to a lot of different things. So this kind of just goes into what we were talking about yesterday about it, would Matt Shackman for me be the guy that I would run out and cast right? Would, would he be at the top of my non-existent list? No, he wouldn't have been at the top of my list. But as a fan of these properties and as somebody looking forward to Fantastic Four, would I be excited if his name does get put out there as the guy who's directing? And yeah. His, again, not my first choice, but a name I definitely would be completely all on board with, completely excited about, and it looks like this is getting closer. Rob, we were talking about this the other day, but yeah, now that deadline is kind of following this up, you've had a little bit of time to think about it. What would you think if they crossed the finish line on this? What would you think about Matt directing Fantastic Four? Well, Matt Shackman directed all of WandaVision, yeah. so he's worked with Marvel. He's worked with Feige. He understands what is expected of him, and he did a wonderful job. I mean, that that was not, he had to deal with many different milieus with WandaVision, the recreation of the sitcoms, then he had to be in the town, then he had to deal with S.W.O.R.D., you know, the science fiction elements of the, or the marvelness of it, the secret, or the head, the mobile headquarters they put outside of, was it Westview? Is that the name of the town? Yeah, it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and so that alone shows me, I mean, what was it, nine episodes? That's a movie. He did a great job. I think it'd be great if he, if he, I mean, he certainly has the pedigree to jump into making his first big budget movie. He's directed the, 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 the best TV shows. Why not give him a shot? I mean, I think, and he already knows Marvel and how things are done. He's probably a perfect choice. He's already somebody who's kind of under the roof and all that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah. Chris, you hear about this. What would you think about the director of WandaVision? Uh, never done a feature film though, not a feature yeah. film. What would you think about him taking on Fantastic Four? I actually really like this because the Fantastic Four, they're the first family, right? And he's dealt with family stories for a very long time here in sitcom formats, in dealing with different genres and things through WandaVision, dealing with Marvel through WandaVision, working within different types of shows, too. So he's a chameleon. He can work with those different genres and still tell a heartfelt story. So that gives me a lot of you know positivity about him coming in here. Also, a lot of the directors we've had in Marvel weren't the big names we know them as now. No, they were not. And I really, in Feige, we trust, right? He finds talent and puts them with the right property, typically. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with this. What an amazing thing to have as your first feature. What a fantastic thing. Oh. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Bye, everyone. Oh. All right. Oh, so I, 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 to loud. your point, too, everybody now knows the name James Gunn. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very few select people who recognized and knew the name James Gunn before yeah. Kevin Feige recognized, this guy can tell a story. No average person knew who the Russo brothers were. They directed you, me, and Dupree. All right? I know I keep going back to that, but come on. They directed you, me, and Dupree. 
but they also I think it was community they did a lot of work on yes. too. Yep. So background stuff. Kevin Feige recognized the, these are storytellers that I think I will click with and I will work well with. He did that with James Gunn. He did that with Peyton Reed. He did that with and with Taika. With, with, he did that with Taika. I mean, although Taika was name was already starting to shoot up there. Going with up what there, we did but in the shadows, there was a lot of like niche that. stuff though. Still, it's true. And so, look, one valid point that somebody could bring up is that there is indeed there is a fundamental difference between directing on a movie set and on a television set. There's a power dynamic difference. On a movie set, you are responsible for the whole project. Absolutely. On a TV set, the showrunners are responsible for the whole show. You are now to come in for that one particular episode that the showrunners and the writers have dictated what's going to happen, but you got to try to bring it to life as best as you can. And so it is a step up to get into a feature film thing. But, but again, Kevin Feige, Rob has looked at him and said, no, 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 I see it in you. You're a good storyteller. You've worked with the biggest type of stuff. You worked with diverse material. So I think that should give us a lot of confidence. I, I agree. And also, you know, Marvel's kind of a hybrid. It's a hybrid of television and feature film in that, you know, they have a visual development department that's designing action sequences and things that are happening. So in a way, it, it seems sort of silly to say, but, you know, you're going to make a 150 or $200 million movie but you have a safety net that most directors don't have, which is you have the Marvel machine behind you. Yeah. So I think that gives, in a way, it gives Kevin Feige um, security in that you can go and get a director like James Gunn, who's only made $3 million features, and bring him in to make a $175 million Guardians movie because he's got the Marvel machine behind James Gunn to help him. And no other, no other studio or no other production company has that. So to bring in Matt Shackman, who already has worked under under these, he knows what he's getting into. Yeah, there's going to be. I, I I think, in a way, knowing what and having worked with Marvel, it gives you a leg up, man. And I think that knowing he'll know how to utilize the tools that he already has in that box, and I think he can make something spectacular. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? We now have multiple sources. Now, Deadline is confirming that. Marvel is indeed in talks with WandaVision director Matt Shackman to be the director of the Fantastic Four movie. How do you guys feel about it? Whatever those thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the show? Well, that's easy. That's where you guys come in because you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you guys come across a big topic, issue, or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down... Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from Miles. I know you said a World War Hulk movie seems unlikely, and I agree with you. But did you see Mark Ruffalo's interview in Variety where he specifically brings up Planet Hulk and World War, War Hulk, Hulk as potential directions Hulk's story can go? Do you think that was just him talking off the cuff as a fan? Or do you think he just revealed a little bit of what the future of Hulk could be? Big fan for almost 10 years now. All right, Miles, thanks a lot for sending that in. And of course, yeah, especially with She-Hulk out right now. And the really cool stuff they've been doing with Hulk on She-Hulk. There's been questions for a long time about what to me is the best Hulk story, which is World War Hulk. I, to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of the Planet Hulk story. 
I mean, there, there. You can't separate the two, really. Right. But I, I'm not as big on Planet Hulk as I am on World War Hulk. Like that's that to me is like the definitive Hulk story. But a lot of questions going on about that, and of course, with how you know She-Hulk episode two ends, a lot of questions: Could we be going there? Now, I do have, even though it's my favorite story, I have my severe doubts that they're going to be going World War Hulk, and we'll talk about why in a second. But Mark Ruffalo himself as the person who asking the question accurately brought up, is kind of floating it around a little bit. This comes to us from the folks of Variety who write the following. There's been some conversations, and this is, this is uh, Mark Ruffalo being quoted here. There's been some conversations about what happened in the two years where Hulk abandoned Banner and the Avengers on Sakaar and the emergence of Smart, Smart Hulk, which hasn't ever been fully answered. I think maybe we've given four sentences to that time period since then. It's really an interesting, exciting part of the Hulk part of the Hulk story and the Banner story. I do think that the trip to Sakaar is a good place to start, and what that means to the idea of what the fans have been asking for: this idea of Planet Hulk, or World War Hulk, or just the journey that Banner and Hulk have to make to come to peace with each other. That's really interesting to me, and I do feel like there is some interest. There is some interest in exploring that down the line. All right, so I I want to point out here that I've seen some outlets running. Mark Ruffalo says they're looking at doing Planet Hulk or World War Hulk. That is clearly not what he just said. Right. Right. He clearly just said, I think there could be interest in something like this, like this, or just a coming-of-age story where Bruce and, and, and Hulk come to peace with each other. Like, a lot of different issues. So let's be very clear. One of the things Mark Ruffalo did not just do is just say, hey, we're about to do a Planet Hulk. He didn't say that. And unfortunately, some people were representing as if he did. But you just read his quote. That's not what he said. But he did bring up. He did bring it up. He did kind of say, you know, I think there's interest. I think the fans want a Planet Hulk. I think the fans want a World War Hulk. Now, Rob, you and I on, on the She-Hulk After Show, which, by the way, you can go and check out the She-Hulk, She-Hulk After Show we did, point out that Thor Ragnarok kind of was the Planet Hulk story. A very pared down Planet Hulk story. Right. Obviously more of a Thor story, but that was essentially their version of Planet Hulk. With World War Hulk, this is what I, I said on, on the after show, but I'll say it again here. It would have to, it would only be World War Hulk in name because the entire crux of World War Hulk is, if you guys know the, the comic book story, it is fundamentally built around this event where Hulk is backstabbed and betrayed by the heroes of Earth, particularly the Illuminati, mm-hmm. Namor, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Charles Xavier, Mr. Fantastic. They backstab and betray him against his will, put him on a ship and just fire him out into space where he ends up on a planet and becomes enslaved and eventually fights his way to freedom, becomes the rule of that planet, finds the love of his life, only then to be betrayed again by those same Earth heroes who rigged, at least he thought so, he thought so, who rigged his spaceship to go off in a massive megaton nuclear blast, destroying a bunch of the people he loved, including his beloved wife. That is, like, you you cannot have World War Hulk without that. Now, I get it. Comics the comics 
movies are the movies, but that is the entire DNA of the story. Yeah. It is that in which Hulk goes, yeah, someone's going to answer for this. And he comes back to Earth and kills everybody. Just starts wrecking shop on everybody. And one after another, the heroes of Earth Stark all come to, I'll be the one to slow Hulk down. No, you're not. And and then all the X-Men try to do it. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to happen. And one by one, he starts taking everybody down until they get, finally, they get Sentry. And even that gets fought to a draw. Essentially, my boy, Century. That's right, my boy, right there. <laughs> I knew Ray Ray would get excited about that. I'm <laughs> putting a stop. I mean, so Hulk going, hey, yeah, let me let me hop on that ship with you. I just got a call to make, blah, going to Sakar. That ain't Planet Hulk. No. Now, I did read one interesting one. I, I can't remember the name of the viewer, but one of our viewers wrote to me and said, "Well, what about if? Because you know, I believe Hulk is. St- I don't think Banner has actually merged Hulk and him. I think." Just like Banner was trapped in there during his time as a car, I think Hulk is just being repressed. So, like, one viewer wrote into me and said, what if Hulk gets back in control and is pissed that he's been locked away and he's just going to take it out on everybody? It's like, okay, okay, there, there's, some, there's some possibilities there. But again, that core foundational element that he was betrayed by everybody. So, I don't know. They could do a World War Hulk, much like... Days of Future Past really wasn't the Days of Future right. Past storyline. Mm-hmm. Just like Civil War wasn't the Civil War story mm-hmm. from the comic books. Maybe they could do something like that. But, Rob, you hear Ruffalo's comments here in his uh, talk on this. He's bringing it up himself. Is he just talking off the cuff? Or do you think there could be a possibility? That, and one other concern, and I'd love you to free, uh, bring it up next. I want you to address this. A World War Hulk story is not a Hulk standalone movie. That is as large of an infinity gauntlet yeah that this is an mcu all included mcu story where everybody has to be there because it's literally hulk against everyone so i I don't know you hear these comments do you think there's a path forward that they could do a version of world war hulk honestly i don't really i mean mark ruffalo these are these hulk stories are iconic stories planet hulk and world war hulk are are the latest most iconic Hulk stories. I think the real problem with the MCU and doing Planet Hulk now is there's no opposition to Hulk. We don't have enough heroes to fight him. I mean, you, you've got second string Captain America. I mean, he has he, he, Captain America has to come into his own. You know, Sam Wilson has not. He just became Captain America. Iron Man's gone. Black Widow's gone. Not that they would. Well, she could do I mean, something I, because of his affection for her. Right. I mean, but some, she's not there. Not there. None of the. There's no major force. There's Doctor Strange. There's no Illuminati. There's no X-Men. There's no Hank McCoy. You brought up, yeah. you brought up the friendship that he had, Hulk has with Hank. Bruce had had with Hank. All yeah. of that is, is, is not there. We, the, the MCU is not in a place where World War Hulk makes sense to me. But, I mean, Mark Ruffalo's thinking, wouldn't it be great if? But look, there is your, there's your World War Hulk Hulk. I mean, uh, we, we saw a little bit of that already. I just don't think... I mean, everyone's thinking about that because it's the most iconic of the Hulk stories lately in the last 20 years. I think the most exciting Hulk story, too. I mean, there's also there's also old Hulk with the maestro. Yeah. And they're making that uh, uh, XM Studios is doing a like a statue of him. that's gigantic with all the dead hero iconography. No. Strange's cloak, the symbiotes, wrecked Iron Man. Oh, dude, it's awesome. Ooh. It's like thirty five hundred bucks. Oh. By the way, if anyone wants to buy it for me, I'll. 
I'm, I'm right here. Um, but it's it's awesome. But I just don't see it happening. Chris, see. do you think they could uh, they could find a way to pull it off? Let me let me even that give ask you for two different sets of possibilities. Okay. A possibility that they could pull something like this off prior to 2025 and Avengers Secret Wars. And then the possibilities of them maybe looking to lay foundations for post-2025 after Avengers Secret Wars. When I'm betting Kevin Feige won't even be at Marvel anymore. Yeah. But I would say no to prior to 2025 because that's a lot of groundwork to lay. Afterwards, I think anything's possible. Anything's possible in the Marvel that's universe, true. right? Yeah. I do think this is going to be more of borrowing from the comics and making it their own, like we've seen throughout Marvel's cinematic universe. I think maybe it is just us revisiting Sakaar and going back there and doing some other version of that story there. All the Avengers have kids. We're at that point in their lives where everyone has kids. So Son of Hulk, that is a possibility of coming back into fruition here. Of seeing Which would, could be why they're taking him to This Sakaar. is a very long custody battle and he's got to go pick up his kid. And Jeff right? Walters is going to represent him. That'd be great. <laughs> but it'd be really cool to have Scar in there. I think that's something that could happen too, because I mean, even though obviously Hulk is done in CGI, Mark Ruffalo, I don't know how long he's gonna want to continue playing the Hulk too. So we also have to keep setting up those other Marvel characters to continue injecting into the universe. Well, it's funny you Brent bring that up because in the same interview, uh, he basically said, um, I will play this role as long as they want me to. Oh yay. He said, because you know, after all, we could, we've seen versions of sixty seven year old Hulk. So I mean, so like that which could be happy. a little bit of a, a little bit of a hinting at, at maybe a maestro. Yeah, I'd love mm -hmm. to see that. But I mean, so he's saying he's be, he'd be willing to do as long as he wants. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about his comments? I mean, he did not say we're about to do World War Hulk, but he did bring it up. He brought up the title. Do you think they could be doing a World War Hulk movie given the circumstances? Maybe yes, maybe no. As a matter of fact, I decided to put up a poll. For those of you guys who are watching live, I threw up a poll there. Uh, right now, we got about 800 of you guys have voted. And right now, 46% of you think, yes, they will do a Planet Hulk movie. 54% of you are saying, no, they will not. So that's what you guys are saying right now at any rate. But what do you guys think? Do you think they're going to do it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, we're going to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of today's video. They're making my lower regions feel all smooth and nice. Our friends at MeUndies. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Me Undies. Now, guys, we've all heard of gut instinct, but have you ever heard of butt instinct? It's when your butt tells you it wants new undies. Listen to your butt. Luckily for you, we work with Me Undies, makers of the most buttery, soft, and sustainable undies, bralettes, and socks that exist. Guys, for too long, I lived my life wearing those Amazon or Walmart 20 pack cheap underwear that I thought were just fine until I tried Me undies. Now it's like my nether regions are in a Palm Springs resort. So guys, let your skin sing a song of joy with undies, socks, and bralettes that feel as if they're spun from silken clouds. Guaranteed to be the softest stuff you've ever felt in your life, their signature micromodal fabric is sustainable, breathable and stretchy as heck. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL, they have new colors and prints dropping weekly. So there's always something exciting to check out. Try out their free to join membership for free shipping on every order and exclusive perks like an item shipped to your door every month, secret sales and early access to their newest stuff. MeUndies has a great offer for all John Campy Show viewers and listeners. For any first time purchaser, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. To get 20 
20% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. That's MeUndies.com slash Campia. And a big thanks to the folks at MeUndies for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Just a reminder, guys, all of our sponsors and their promo codes are in the description of this video because when you go and support one of our sponsors, you're actually supporting us here on the show. So thank you guys so much for that. All right. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? I love this one. This is from Sam Wright. Hi, John and crew. So this week saw the launch of the first couple of episodes of Good Canadian Kid Ryan Reynolds' documentary, Welcome to Wrexham, on Disney Plus slash Hulu. As a football fanatic from the UK and a fan of a team at a similar level to Wrexham, I was looking forward to it and thought it did well to introduce foreign fans to the sport, the culture, and the town. I was wondering if you've seen it and what your thoughts were. Thanks for bringing on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Sam. And yeah, the the new Welcome to Rexham is now out. They've been advertising it for a while. This, I, I always mispronounce um, his last name. McKelleny? McKelleny. It is McKelleny. I believe so. Okay, well, maybe I'm not mispronouncing it as, as much as I want. But Reynolds and McKelleny, I love Mythic Quest. I'm a huge Mythic <laughs> Quest fan. I, I, I know he's been in other stuff. That's fine. I am a massive, massive Mythic Quest fan. I, I want that to come back so badly. But so this was coming out and everybody's talking about. Now, it is funny because I've had people writing to me asking, why have you guys not been talking about Welcome to Rexham? Because in all the buildup, all the marketing they were doing for it, it's certainly a very interesting looking story. And a lot of people say, like, like doesn't like you're like Ryan Reynolds is your favorite movie star and, you know, you, you Mint Mobile's response. Why are you guys well talking about Welcome to Wrexham? The reality is, and I'm just going to be pure honest with you guys, pure honesty. The reality is, directly and indirectly, Ryan Reynolds gives us a lot of money. I mean, he owns Mint Mobile. They are a big sponsor, sponsor of us. He has sent me crates of of, uh, of aviation. We gin. need more, by the way. I yeah, kid you they not. They are not enough. He has sent me crates of aviation. Gin. Rob and I work here. It's yeah. not enough. Yeah. We might need to uh, put so the studio great. in the factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might need to move the studio over there. Mm. And so, honestly, I I have shied away from wanting to talk about this because I I don't I. I'm very nervous of the fact that it'll look like we're playing favorites by talking about this show and stuff like that. So I have intentionally, and this isn't very professional to me, but I very intentionally avoided talking about it. You know, all of our paid shilling that we do for Disney already. <laughs> yeah, well, with I all mean, of that. No. So I have, I have purposely tried. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Ryan Reynolds, I mean, fuck that guy. Red Notice sucks. Okay, I, 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 I'm not going to stop. <laughs> oh, Red Notice sucks. Box. Sorry about that, but it did. But. But still, so I kind of leaned away from it. But I couldn't resist when Anna and I saw that the first two episodes were out. So, well, we got to watch this, obviously, because Ryan is my favorite star. And I'm like, well, damn it, now I got to talk about it. It's wonderful. It's really, really good. And it reminds me about why Ryan, and first of all, by the way, McKelleny both too. Like, McKelleny talks a lot in the opening about this, about being from Philadelphia and how his all of his friends, all of his family, nay, the identity of the town gets wrapped up in the Eagles and the spirits of the city seem to rise and fall with the success or the failures of the team. And I'm listening to him talk about that. I'm like, I can completely identify as somebody like 
I'm Canadian, so it is like bequeathed on us at birth genetically to be massive hockey fans. <laughs> and like, I remember when every day that the Toronto Maple Leafs would have a game, me and my, my best friend at the time, Aggie Cabral was his name. Me and Aggie would, would, would go home. He'd go home. I go home. And every time a goal was scored, we would phone each other on the phone. Like we were in grade school, but we're calling each other on the phone with every goal. And then, you know, we, he'd go over to, I go over to his house. He came over to my house and we'd play hockey in the basement and, you know, say I'm whatever player and I'm whatever player and all that kind of stuff. And even now as a grown ass adult, my mood will be dictated by how good or bad the Toronto Maple Leafs do. My very mood is dictated by it. So when I'm hearing McKelney talk about this stuff and saying, I instantly identified, even though I know nothing about soccer, I will say soccer here. I understand it's called football, but in North America, we refer to it as soccer. So I'll just do that to avoid confusion with North American football. So when he said, I don't know a lot about soccer, but I identify with that, that this town loves this team. And as the team goes through hard times, the town is in hard times and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, I wanted to be a part of that. And there's a part in episode one, he goes, but I realized I have TV money, but I needed more than TV money. I need movie star money. <laughs> I need alcohol empire money. I need mobile phone money, he says. I need, what else does this bitch own? Yeah, what, what else does this bitch Ryan Reynolds do? And I guess, and he and Ryan Reynolds had never met. They'd only, they were only friends on social media. They become, they, they would talk on social media. They became friends on social media, blah, blah, blah. But they had never actually met, physically met in person. And watching then Ryan talking about the stuff about his father, you saw this. Yes. Talking about the stuff with his father and this in- this, this completely incorporated in him this desire to want to help lift an entire city. You know, I remember I was talking. This is why, even though I say fuck that guy and Red Notice sucks, <laughs> this is why as a Canadian, and this, this sounds weird to say, I am so damn proud of this guy as a Canadian because I was, I was telling you once, I was talking to a bunch of uh, film pundit, fellow film pundits we were talking about when the Ezra Miller, like right in the middle of all the Ezra Miller stuff, and one somebody you guys know, one prominent film pundit kind of said this, said, I'm just so tired of this. Like, why can't everybody be more like fucking Ryan Reynolds? Where every time the guy's name comes up, you know it's just going to become he went to some fucking hospital to give a dying kid a pony. Like, like that's, <laughs> that's the only time his name comes up is when he's doing something really good. And like, I got to say, and I know this is very Homer of me to do, but like, goddamn, God bless Ryan Reynolds. Like as a Canadian, I feel so damn proud of him. But and then I'm watching this, and I and I feel the same way. I'm watching this, and I was like, I'm so proud of this McKellen guy who uh, I only watch him on Method Quest. I don't know much about. I'm not invested in, but I'm like, I'm so proud of that guy for doing this. And I see Ryan as a Canadian do this. I'm like, I'm so proud of that guy. But the drama in the show, and like the last game, the last game in episode two, because they've only got two episodes out right now. You're like, this feels like it was scripted by mm -hmm. Hollywood. And the drama of it, and when they talk about, yeah, and they talk about the tiers, by the way, North American pro sports should totally do that league tiered system that it's they have. It's bonkers. It's, it's the way to do it. You should do it too. But anyway, talk about how, yeah, oh yeah, the guy, the, the players in the Premier League get like $3.9 million. The players who get relegated down here are making like 40000 a year and all this kind of stuff. And the, the drama of it, and you see the passion of the people in the town. And, and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm watching it with Anne 
And we're loving it. And I'm like, well, damn it. Now I got to talk about it, even though I kind of promised myself we would. But anyway, mm -hmm. Chris, you saw the first couple of yeah. episodes of Walking for Wexham. What did you think about it? So I went into this because I'm having Ted Lasso withdrawals. And I went, <laughs> yes. oh, this will, There's Ted Lasso this will be great. There definitely this is. will be a nice kind of filler for that. And it is so charming. Oh, my gosh. I So I went to elementary school in a town outside of Philadelphia, um, Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Woot woot. And my childhood best friend, Donna Figginshu, her family were Eagles fans. Not just Eagles fans, Eagles fans. Eagles. Eagles fans, and are you going to watch the game? <laughs> and I never really understood it. And then when I moved to Texas, you know, football was a religion yeah, to people, and I yeah. didn't understand it. And also, I had a little chip on my shoulder, because I was a musical theater kid whose department had no money, and so I'd be because like, I'm reading... Team had yeah, I'm going to read Nam Chomsky and feel superior, you know? Um, oh, I'm glad that got you. <laughs> Rob got that. <laughs> you like that Noam Chomsky reference? But you don't get that very often. No, on the show. no. Wow, well done. Some highbrow shit happening today. But so then watching this, though, and watching Ted Lasso, but particularly this, and seeing that town pride and how it is a camaraderie thing does make it much more accessible for someone like me who doesn't really understand the rules of sports and didn't understand why this was important or why people would still be hung up on college games or things like that. When I'd go hang out with my friends from Nebraska, we'd go to this Nebraska bar so they could yell at the Huskers game. And I'd think, why are we doing this? We don't go there. And I understand it a lot more because of how these people, it's affected every fiber of their life. I mean, listening to that midfield midfielder, Paul, I can't remember his last name, talking about how- Oh, the one with the two kids and- He's 33. Yep. He is younger than me. He has played for this team for 16 years, and he is the one of the oldest members of this team. He's like an actual Roy well, I think Kent. He's, he's played professionally for 16. Well, yeah. I think he played for this he's, team yeah. for five or six. But he's yeah. been in the professional league more his than half his life. His entire adult yeah. life, yeah. And that's wild. I mean, so to see the thread of how this just affects all the people in this town is really, really cool. Like, just from not only a pride point, but then as they go into, like, the commerce and everything about how this team success affects the livelihood of so many people outside of the actual league just from you know pubs getting filled people doing things like it, it affects everyday life and it's really really cool to see that and understand that these two guys appreciate that yeah and realize that they could screw all this up um and also can we just shout out that they used a friggin van wilder clip Oh my god! Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what? It's like are they really using that clip? When right that now? showed up, I was like, of all his movies, yeah. Ryan, you cheeky little son of a bitch, of just ah, give him Ben Wilder. I don't care. <laughs> they, from a, from a behind the scenes filmmaking thing, the Rob, I know you would have appreciated. I know you probably. I watched the first episode. You probably appreciated the scene a lot. They start with showing Ryan with Sean Levy, literally in the editing room of uh, Adam Project, and. I found this part fascinating where they're, they're, they're watching the edit and stuff like that. And I guess they realized they need some voiceover. So, you know, the big high tech thing he did, he literally just picked up his phone and did his rah, rah, ah. Okay. Then they just transferred the file over and just used it. Oh yeah. Thing. I like loved it. I thought that was great. But anyway, Rob, you checked out the first episode. What did you think? I, I, well, you know, I had brought this up to you a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago or something. I saw this trailer and it came out of the blue. I didn't know this was even getting made. Yeah. And there, a trailer popped up for it, and I'm like, wow. And I, I find Ryan Reynolds post, I, I say post, he's still a movie star, but the fact that he's also an entrepreneur. But you know what, he, his, what his description is, his bio on his social media now is? Part-time actor, 
uh, and business owner. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> which I uh, think is great. But this is, I mean, what I what I thought was really interesting about this is this isn't just people investing in something. They're they're all in. You know, they have to go and and this is people. They're they've invested not just in a team, but in a like you said, a way of life for the whole town. You know, and the fact that they, I, I thought it was interesting because I'm sh- I'm sure that Ted Lasso did play into getting this even greenlit. Like somebody had this idea. I don't know. Oh, I'm Maybe. sure. But it's so, like you said, it's, I mean, obviously it's, it's a TV show. It's so it's edited to have drama and being uplifting and, but still, they still, they really did this and you're watching this and I found it, I found it hard. It was heartwarming. I mean, it was put a smile on my face. I liked it. I mean, I'm totally in it. I don't even know how many episodes is it running. I don't know how long it's going to be. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just know, I don't know they dropped the first two episodes. Yeah, I don't know how long it's going to be. I've only seen the first one. But, I mean, I really liked it. And I'm I'm like, it, it's first of all, it's beautifully made, too. It looks great. And I, um, I'm all in. I mean, I... There's I, something that, that Ryan and McKellany say to each other. Because it opens with a shot of them standing in the middle of the field. A field that is the oldest still standing operational soccer field in the world. It's over 150 years old. Yeah. And they're standing in the middle of it. And they're all alone in the stadium. McKellie says to Ryan, you know, this could, we could end up being the villains in this story. We could end up being the bad guys. And it reminded me a lot of just like even of Hollywood, like a director, you get asked to come in and direct the next Marvel movie. Oh yeah. You may be a hero, but if people don't like your movie, you become the, the big villain. Everybody hates you. Look at what happened to Ryan Johnson with, when he did a star Wars movie, right? You can either be a big hero. Or you're going to be the big villain. And they're like, yeah, we could end up, this town could hate us. Right. They might hate us if this doesn't go well, if this goes south, and we fail. You American dilettantes, what do you know about European football? I mean, but the, the way the town embraced them, because apparently the, the team has had like 14 losing seasons in a row, right. something like that. So it's like, I don't know. I was, again, I also love hearing stories about good people doing good things. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. There's just, you don't need a villain. You don't, Every once in a while, I just love a story about good people doing good things. And I always say this about documentaries, is that essentially with whatever you're doing a documentary about, at the heart of it, you have to tell the story of people. And that's what they did immediately right out of the gate. So, yep. so look, listen, I, just so it, it doesn't, I need to counter a little bit of the, Ryan Reynolds ball coddling I seem to be doing over here. I got to counter a little bit of that. As long as it's manscaped. I just want to remind everybody about um, RIPD. I want to remind everybody about Green Lantern. Uh, Red Notice was terrible. Um, I, I just, uh, anything else I need to I'm do to balance this out? RIPD apologist. I feel like I'm the biggest I'm a Green then. Lantern apologist. I actually like all three of those movies. How, you know, the stuff on OO was awesome. The stuff on OO was good. I, I'll give it that. I, I want to say the Guardians. I mean, come on. Um, oh, that just shocks me coming from you. I figured you'd be like, table flip. No, I hated the other half of it. Okay. You know. But there he is. <laughs> there he is. Hey, you know what? Green Lantern's better than Star Trek Discovery. Ooh. No, it's not. Anyway. <laughs> the All right, guys. The question is for you. Have you had a chance to watch Welcome to Wrexham? I highly recommend you check it out. I, I w- And, like, I'm not really even good. a soccer fan. The only time I watch soccer is every four years when the World Cup comes along, if Italy is in it, and I break out the Italian flag and stuff like that. But other than that, this this made me care. I'm watching the soccer going on. I'm like, and I'm I find myself cheering, and I'm like, it's anyway, it's crazy. Check it out and let us know what you guys. We think do about need it. more aviation, Jim. And yes, yes, by the way, yes, we are. Please. We are. We're running low. Tapped out. That's our last bottle. Mama needs her medicine, last, Ryan. Last okay. Running low. Just putting that out there. Yep. All right, guys. With that down. 
Let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? Our third topic comes from Kyle Geinder. Well, it appears WBD may have found its very own Kevin Feige, according to The Hollywood Reporter. And that name is Dan Lin, an executive turned producer that worked on hits like Aladdin, The Lego Movie, and It. He would also be in he would also not only be in charge of film, but also television, and he would report directly to David Zaslav, bypassing three other division heads, giving him complete control of DC. John, what do you think of Dan Lin leading DC? All right, thanks a lot for sending this in. Now, it's important to note this is not a done deal. Uh, this very well may not come to pass, but according to every reliable trade, that this is the guy they are now speaking to, uh, Dan Lin. Now, I've been saying forever, Rob, whenever it comes, whenever people ask, who should be the person to take over DC films? I always say the same answer. Somebody whose name we've never heard of. It should be somebody that nobody knows, that none of us know, that people in the industry know that we don't. That's who should be taking this thing over. So Dan Lin comes out and it, it looks like he's in the running here for this. Now, this comes to us from the folks uh, over at The Hollywood Reporter who write the following. First of all, why does he look 12? Uh, never mind. Let's go on here. Uh, Lin's name appeared late in the game, but he has a champion in Warner's advisor, Alan Horn, the former Disney chair who ran Warner as president and COO. It was during that latter tenure that Lin worked for Horn, starting as a junior executive and rising to senior vice president of production. He struck out on his own as a producer in 2008, but not before shepherding movies such as The Departed. He also oversaw the infamous and aborted Justice League feature, which was to have been directed by George Miller, which I always wanted to see. Uh, the 2000-2008 Writers Guild of America strike and tax credit complications were factors in its derailing. Lynn is a respected producer known for his smarts and, in a town full of hype and egos, his willingness to find experts in the fields that are not his forte. He has worked on franchises, the Robert Downey Jr. starring Sherlock Holmes features, the four Lego movies, as well as wildly successful two-part adaptations of Stephen King's It. And that, of course, comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Now, what most average film fans are going to look at are his producer credits. They're, they're going to look at those because those are the things we know and identify with. To me, that's the irrelevant part. Great. The Departed. Fabulous. One bet. Great. That's wonderful. That's not the important part. He was the head of production under Alan Horn, who Alan Horn still loves. Now, I, I will say this. At the end of the day, there is no person on this planet who is more qualified to give an opinion about who should be DC's Kevin Feige. There is no person on the planet more qualified to recommend somebody than Kevin Feige's old boss. There is nobody else who has a voice that is more relevant in that discussion than Alan Horn. And if Alan Horn is one, because I don't know Dan Lin. I, I've never met him. I, I don't know a lot about him. I was obviously not in the studio halls when he was an executive there or when he was the head of production or anything like that. I wasn't there. But all I know is that if Alan Horn says this should be the guy then any other opinion I might have is irrelevant after that. Kevin Feige's boss says this is the guy to run this. I'm good with that. Now, I, I do want to point out that the Hollywood Reporter article is listing all these big successes. If you actually go through all of Dan Lin's movies that he has produced, they're not all great. 
Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, as a matter of fact, which to me is the worst film of the year. But but it was Amblin. You know, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. But you also have to keep in mind that before anybody knew the name Kevin Feige, if you just looked at the just looked at the production list of the movies he was a producer on, you would also probably go, well, not all of them are winners because that's not the important part. And so, look, is Dan Lin the the name that I would have pulled out of the hat? Probably not because I don't know a lot about him. Um, and maybe he's not going to end up being the guy. But if Kevin Feige's boss says that this is the guy to head the division here, I would be comfortable with it if they made that announcement. One of the really interesting things about this, and we knew this in advance already, we, we've talked a lot about how David Zaslav is going to give the kind of weight and respect to DC that Warner Brothers has never given to DC, which is whoever runs DC. You know what? You know who DC is going to report to? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. DC is going to be its own complete division with no layer of management between them and David Zaslav himself. They've got the Warner Brothers picture group, new CEOs. The head of DC is not going to be reporting to them. That's what kind of importance Zaslav is giving to the new DC studio. That as And this guy is going to be the head of not just the movies, whoever they hire in this position. He or she is going to be the head of the movies and the head of all the television production, and they will dictate to the other branches what content they're going to have to deal with. They're going to be able to dictate to HBO Max, I'm making this show and you're putting it on HBO Max. That's the kind of power they're giving here. The kind of power, influence, and support that DC has never had. And if Alan, again, I don't know anything about Dan Lin. All I, again, all I have to go on is if Alan Horn says this is the guy, that's good enough for me. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. You and I both know fought, truly finding the next Kevin Feige is a nigh impossible task. You got to find somebody who's going to do it their own way. But we hear this news. The fact that they're going to be reporting directly to Zaslav, they will have no studio bosses to report to. And the idea that it could be this Dan Lin guy what do you think? Dan, uh, well, first of all, Dan Lin is a very respected figure in the business. He's also been very successful. Now, I reached out in anticipation of this uh, segment to a friend of this channel who... Who has worked with Dan Who Lin. has worked with Dan Lin, knows him very well, also incredibly successful in this person's own right. And I said, but yeah, but does he know Crisis on Infinite Earths? You know, that's what I said. Um, and here's the answer I got. Well, I cannot say whether Dan has even read Crisis on Infinite Earths or if he knows the DC history like Kevin knew Marvel. But I can say with confidence that Dan is a better pick than any of the other names bandied about recently, aside from maybe Jeff Robinoff. I also know that Dan is a genuinely decent person where Toby Emmerich fails in this category. Walter was doomed to fail because his hands were tied, as yeah, we've talked about. We've talked about that many by times. having to enforce the will of Toby, who installed him in that position. I know and like Walter very much, and I remember when By the I was... By when you say Walter, we're talking about Walter, Walter Hamada, Hamada who would be, be the outgoing DC. Yeah, player. I'm very impressed with him, too. He, on DC Fandom, he was awesome. Yeah. I know and like Walter very much, and I remember when I was in his office and saw boxes of comic books. Walter told me that Toby wanted him to run DC, even though he wasn't a comic book guy. So he had to do a deep dive, and he read everything. That wasn't the ideal way to bring in a person to run DC, but that goes in line with how Toby made his business decisions. Put someone loyal over someone who was right for the job. So I think that Dan Lin is probably a great choice. What I like about him 
is he was an executive at Warner Brothers. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Warner Brothers is a studio that, um, you know, uh, I worked at Warner Brothers over 30 years ago. And Courtney Valenti, Jack Valenti's daughter, started there. She's still there. She's still at Warner Brothers. I mean, it's you go to Warner Brothers for life. And and I think that there's the, well, unless your name's Christopher Nolan. Well, well, yeah. Well, they they but he was screwed over. That's right. I and know. That's the thing. I, I know. mean, you know, Kevin Sujahara. You come from amusement parks. The people that make that studio. There's a reason Clint Eastwood is still there. Yeah. Malpaso was still there. And I think that that having understanding that corporate culture, because even though the execs change, there's a lot of underlings there that have stayed there for a very long period of time. Right. And I think Dan's a really smart guy. If you look at his credits. Pretty, pretty, I mean, Easter Sunday, notwithstanding, he's got a lot of great stuff going on. And I think that he's probably a great choice for Warner Brothers now. But like you said, and like our friend said, you can't tie his hands. And it seems like they're giving him free reign. And, and, you know, then the proof's in the pudding. Mm -hmm. You know, you let somebody do the work they have to do. And if they succeed and make good choices and make great movies, most importantly, they'll rise to the top. And I think Dan Lin has... The potential to do that chris i mean obviously this is a huge decision for mm-hmm. warner brothers to make like who they put in this position is pretty much going to be dictate a lot of the success or failure that dc has over the next five years and, and maybe longer depending on how long their tenure is this name comes out of nowhere this dan Lin comes out of nowhere i didn't hear anybody else predicting this name mm-hmm. i certainly didn't comes out of nowhere what do you think about the potential pick I mean, if Alan Horn's behind it, I think I can get on board with it. He's going to know more than me about it. But Dan Lin also had a company called Rideback. That's one of the companies that helped champion Aladdin. Yep. And it. Oh, that's right. He's also behind Aladdin. (laughs) Yeah. And he is known for picking projects that appeal to a global audience. And I think that's a really, really big key here, too, is what we've seen with Marvel, right? Having to answer to no one, doing their own thing, is Marvel has been able to appeal to a global audience as well. It's not just niche films. It's not only for comic book diehards. It is something that appeals to a wide array of audiences, tells multicultural stories, and can appeal to anyone. Even, you know, my folks who don't read comic books, much to my chagrin. So I think that Dan Lin can bring that kind of sensibility to this. And you know what? I freaking love those Lego movies. I do too. I think they're great. And as one of our particularly uh, this the Batman yeah, one for me is Thaddeus in the chat was good. like, he did a great job handling those DC properties. <laughs> <Yeah>. Why not? <laughs> a little bit different kind of Very, movies they're looking I'm, at. But I'm okay with it. I think I obviously am biased, but I think somebody also who has dealt a lot with animation as well as live action is somebody fun to bring into the mix here because he's spanned different mediums and I think is going to have a really, really keen eye for making a lot of congruency within the DCEU. Mm. And I, I love the fact, going back to the Alan Horn endorsement of this, is the fact that he worked for Horn. Horn knows him. And now you bring up his studio. That apparently, according to the reports, that's one of the holdups right now of the contract negotiations is what is he supposed to do? What's Dan Lin supposed to do with this studio? Rideback is named, yes. right? He's got badass office space. He he really does. I, I was looking at images he, of it. Yeah, yesterday. man. He's got some badass office space. He's like, still what was in looks- the Filipino district? Yes. Before, yeah. Yes. And so it's like, what do you do? What am I? What do you expect me to do with my production company that I have spent the last you know X number of years building and developing and growing since two thousand and eight? Mm-hmm. And apparently, I don't know what he is asking for, and I don't know what Warner Brothers is asking for. But apparently, that is one of the the holdups right now. So I have to figure that part out because, man, you you built a really big successful thing there. Can you just walk away from that? I, I mean, I don't know. 
They need to give him there's the on the Warner lot. There's Joel Silver's old offices and Richard Donner's offices, and they were facing each other. It's kind of like a donut. They just need to give him that and then renovate the whole thing and make it like three or four stories and make it DC headquarters. Ooh. Oh yeah, and but listen. the real I mean DC headquarters is down the street. Mm-hmm. But on the Warner lot, give him Joel Silver. I don't know who's there now, but Silver and Donner's offices. That that place was the shit. That's the place to. That's the place to be. It's right by the water tower. It's right by the executive offices. Put it there. Now, a lot of people always ask me, why like, why are you so excited about David Zaslav in this position, right? And it's like, well, number one, because I think every decision he's been made, making so far is the right one, because it's the decisions I've been saying for ages they should start doing. But the other thing is this, and this is why I think if you are a DC fan, you need to be excited about this. Because, and, and I alluded to this earlier, Warner Brothers has never given the respect due to DC. They have never given the respect to. They've never even let it be its own studio, let alone give the people in it the freedom to do, and, and their leaders and their executives in charge of it, the true freedom to do the stuff. Mm. David Zaslav comes out swinging and says, DC is the most important thing we've got. It's the most important thing we got, and we have to treat it like it's the most important thing we've got. So we're not going to accept crap, and we're going to put in qualified leadership, and then we are going to give that leadership free reign. They will answer to no one except me, myself. That's it. Nobody else. No layers of management. No other studio ex- executives who don't know anything or care about the comic book genre. None of that. Free reign. And I think that's why guys like Matt Reeves sign long-term deals. I think that's why we're going to see James Gunn signing long-term deals. And maybe that's why they can get a guy like Dan Lin. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this potential choice? Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Maybe you're like me. It's like, I always just wanted to be somebody I've never heard of because that's the qualified people are the ones who do the behind the scenes stuff. But I don't know, maybe you feel differently. Whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump down to the comments section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, we're going to take a second and thank another sponsor of today's episodes, We love these guys, the folks over at Masterclass. Guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, Masterclass. All of us here at the John Campion Show absolutely love Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds, anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn television writing from Shonda Rhimes, improve your comedy skills from Steve Martin, or you can learn filmmaking from James Cameron himself. With over a hundred different classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to learn is closer than you think. I have personally watched Bob Iger's lessons on business strategy and leadership at least six or seven times. Every time I watch it, I learn something new that I get to apply to my own business as well. And the best thing about it is you don't have to sit down and watch an entire thing all at once. You can watch the individual segments or just as much as you want in any sitting at a time. So guys, when it comes to Masterclass, I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass and as a john campia show listener you get 15 percent off an annual membership go to masterclass.com slash campia that's masterclass.com slash campia for 15 percent off masterclass and thank you to our friends at masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show okay guys with that down let's move on to main topic number four chris what is our fourth main topic today this comes from robert ray Water is wet. House of the Dragon has been renewed for season two. (laughs) But even more shocking, the premiere episode numbers have climbed to 20 million, surpassing the series finale of Game of Thrones. The episode also leaked almost a full day ahead of its debut. But we all knew this would be big. 
but have we underestimated just how big? All right, Robert, thanks a lot for saying that in. Yeah, the numbers have climbed, but remember, the, it didn't really break the series finale numbers of Game of Thrones because those were like, that was like that 19 million number was the first 24 hours. So, uh, so you can't compare that. It's a, it's a different thing. Still, my God, the success of this. Dude. Now, look, everybody tuned in. A lot of people tuned in to check it out. The reason a whole bunch of people have tuned in to check it out after its debut is because word of mouth has been, this is damn good. It's really good. And unsurprising, once the, once the news came out that it was the biggest single episode of anything they've had in three and a half years and the biggest series debut ever in the history of HBO, we all knew season two was going to greenlit and now it's official. This comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who write the following. It's official. Game of Thrones is a bona fide franchise. HBO has just renewed the House of the Dragon for a second season. The move came relatively quickly following the series premiere of Dragon on Sunday, which delivered 10 million viewers overnight, an HBO record for a series opener, and roughly on par with the premiere of Game of Thrones Season 6. Now, HBO reports that in the days since the show's premiere, the first episode's viewership has climbed to 20 million viewers in the U.S. alone across linear, on-demand, and HBO Max platforms. Now, I think, you know, there's a lot of people are going to be tempted to say, oh, of course it did well, it's Game of Thrones. But you forget a lot of the doubt going in. There was a lot of questions going on about, you know, with the, there, there were a lot of people misguidedly did not like the final episode, the final uh, season of Game of Thrones, but hmm. be that as may. There was a lot of people who didn't. A lot of people who didn't. And with that, there was big questions. Are people going to be willing to go back to Westeros and tr give it another shot? Are people going to be willing to do that? And like now in hindsight, of course, everybody's like, well, of course they did. But there were questions going into it. I mean, none of us here ever doubted they would, but there were a lot of legitimate questions about whether they would. So the success of this thing is huge. That 10 million is because it's Game of Thrones. The 20 million is because they nailed it. At least in the first episode. And look at that adorable dragon. Oh, how cute. That's like Joey He looks like Bishop. he's going to tell a joke. It's like, it's like a red... He looks got like that he nice just, smile. Yeah, yeah, it looks like he just told him a joke. So, I mean, good for them. Good for it. I am so excited about Sundays now. I'm super excited for Sundays to, to go back and watch the next episode. So anyway, Chris, you hear about this renewed for season two, obviously no surprise, but what do you think about the numbers we're seeing? I mean, it's, it's not surprising at all. I think people wanted to come back to this world. Like we've talked about and wanted to see what different showrunners could handle on this too. Right. We were talking about this earlier about the difference between television and film, how showrunners have a really big part of what actually happens in a television series. And I think people were willing to give new folks a shot with the same intellectual property. I think they went, oh, let's see what these folks do with it. Mm. And I think that's something that's really, really great because I like this so far. I think it's wonderful. And also our scotch has come in and it's delicious. So um, we will have that on Monday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah, Rob, you hear the news. What do you think about it? Well, I mean, look, this show was incredible. It's a monumental feat in the history of television, whether you like the final season or not. I mean, watching it, Elizabeth and I recently rewatched the entire series again. The show itself is a staggering achievement in terms of whether you're talking about acting, whether you're talking about verisimilitude, effects, storytelling. I mean, it's epic. And it's one of the greatest things that's ever been on TV. So, and remember, they tried doing another show. And like David Zaslav and Batgirl, HBO said they shot a pilot. 
Yeah, they've shot. Do you know how many millions of dollars went into gathering the cast, signing contracts, building sets, uh, shooting the Naomi Watts was headlining. You know, yep. you had a movie star, and they said, "Nope, you're never going to see this. It wasn't good enough." And that was pre Zazla. And they're like, they know. And and this is why I love HBO, John. We talk about. I mean, I don't understand. And just like that, the sequel to Sex and the City, it doesn't always work out. But hey, I think that um, they knew what they had. They they retooled and they came up with something really good. I mean, no expense was spared. Incredible cast, great story, really interesting, and um, it's not surprising to me. And uh, we all watched it. It's a great. It was a great start. I mean, one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I again the best pilot, the best first episode to a television series I've ever seen to this day still remains. NBC's Heroes. That first episode, I've never seen a first episode so of a TV good. show that has been as good, but this was a damn good start. Damn good. And, and you know, like somebody pointed out, I remember before it aired or something, uh, one of their early reviews, somebody pointed out that we totally understand the story. We understand where it's going. And it's hard for a pilot to to be not so didactic and be like, well, here's what the show's about. But they did a really good job making it interesting, but at the same time spelling out where it's going to go and making us invested mm-hmm. in an hour. And that's tough to do. Well, can I point out an Easter egg that probably everybody else on the planet caught and I didn't? I just saw it on a recent, on a, like a breakdown video of the Game of Thrones episode. When uh, Viserys is talking to his his daughter, uh, Rain, uh and he's telling her about the dream of Aegon, about the, the the song of fire and ice. The camera shot cuts down to him grabbing a dagger that he has in a sheath on his belt. I did not realize that is the same dagger that what's her name used to Valerian kill Valerian Steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Valerian Steel. It's the exact same dagger that she used right, to Stark. kill the Night King. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I how did I not? I didn't catch that. Totally didn't. Nice little tie. Nice little tie in there. I like that a lot. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you watch the first episode of House of the Dragon? Maybe you're not a Game of Thrones fan and it's just off your radar. That's fine. But did you see it? If so, what did you think? What do you think about it already getting the green light for season two? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number five. Chris. What is our fifth main topic today? This one comes from Lewis Warning. In an article by Variety, Shia LaBeouf seems to have responded on the comments made by Olivia Wilde and what happened on her upcoming movie. His comments seem to paint a different narrative. Did you guys see it? What do you think? Thanks for bringing on the filthy. All right, Lewis, thanks for sending that in. And painting a different narrative puts it lightly. <laughs> now, yeah. look, let me, let me say this first. Let me give this caveat right off the top here. I don't like covering... We don't cover TMZ garbage here. Like, ooh, celebrities in trouble. And I don't care about that shit. That's nonsense. You don't want to know where Richard Simmons has been for the last eight years? <laughs> nope, not really looking for I do. Although, I would be lying if I didn't tell I was mildly curious yeah. personally. But <laughs> That's just because it's Richard Simmons. It's not the stuff we cover on this show. But sometimes these types of stories do have direct linear impact on either movies we have upcoming or are on the road to coming, or whatever. And that is, unfortunately, the situation we have here. A movie that we started raving about, uh, at least from the previews we saw at CinemaCon, was Olivia Wilde's new film, Don't Worry Darling, starring uh, Florence Pugh, uh, uh, Chris Chris Pine, uh, Harry Styles. It looks incredible. Now, 
Yesterday on the show, we talked about the fact that Olivia Wilde came out and kind of explained the reason why she fired Shia LaBeouf off the film, citing he's an incredible actor, but his approach and his process is not conducive to the types to the uh, sets that we want to have. It wasn't conducive to what we wanted to do, and I knew I had to move on from him and all that kind of stuff. And fine. And we were talking on the show about it. it says, hey, Shia LaBeouf's a, a great performer, and absolutely, I'm sure his style yeah. probably won't be a good fit for every film set, but probably is a good fit for other film sets. And hey, good on uh, Olivia Wilde for recognizing that, hey, my movie's going to be better if we have a better system in place and we do it a certain way. And even though Shia's a great actor, had to let him go. It was all good. Well, except for it might have been all bullshit. Shia LaBeouf got in contact with Variety. And Shia LaBeouf apparently keeps receipts. And he sent to Variety a bunch of screen captures of emails and text messages between himself and Olivia Wilde that basically paints a different narrative that paints a narrative that Shia LaBeouf quit the movie and that Olivia Wilde actually tried to talk him into staying on. On top of all of this, allegedly, two days after Shia LaBeouf quit the movie, Olivia Wilde sent him a video message that she recorded while she was driving and sent it to him, and Shia LaBeouf sent this video to Variety. Now, Variety obviously did not share the video online, but they did write an account of what Olivia Wilde said in the video. Now, so this is the description that comes to us from the folks over at Variety. He included a video, talking about Shia LaBeouf, he included a video to Variety that Olivia Wilde allegedly sent him on August 19th, 2020, two days after he claimed that he quit. In the video, Wilde is driving a car and, sh and says she is, quote-unquote, not ready to give up on this yet. She also alludes to tension between Shia LaBeouf and Florence Pugh, who stars in the film as Alice, the wife of LaBeouf's and Styles' character, Jack. I feel I'm not ready to give up on this yet, and I too am heartbroken, and I want to figure this out, she says in the video. You know, I think this might be a bit of a wake-up call for Miss Flo, obviously alluding to Florence Pugh, and I want to know if you're open to giving this another shot with me, with us. If she really commits, if she really puts her heart and mind into it uh, at this point, and if you guys can make peace, and I respect your point of view and I respect hers, but if you guys can do it, what do you think? Is there hope? Will you let me know? All right. Now, on its own, that sounds like a very diplomatic director trying to manage some problems between a couple of their actors and to find a way to make something work. It's it's actually, it looks like she's doing a pretty good job of trying to manage the situation. And she's also an actor herself. Yeah, being, so being she a performer really herself. what's going on. Yes. But that's not the context we're talking about. That does not sound like a message being sent by a boss who just fired somebody. It, it actually sounds like it's a lot more in line with what Shia has claimed. And he provided to variety email, like besides this video and you guys can go and read the variety article yourselves. He invite, he included emails, text messages, the whole bit. This video sounds a lot more in line with his narrative that he had quit the movie, what he calls due to the fact that we weren't able to, to schedule re proper rehearsal time. 
And so he left the project. It also sounds like he and Florence Pugh had issues. And he walked. And she was trying to get him back. Now listen, like a lot of stuff in this world, we all hear little bits of information and we think we know the whole story. I want to acknowledge right now that we probably don't have 15% of the whole story. We are seeing bits and glimpses of information, both from Olivia Wilde and from Shia LaBeouf. So let's all acknowledge right now that not one of us knows what happened. Let's be clear about that. We don't. However, we have some information in front of us. And so, like anybody else in the world, we are left to speculate and talk about what information we do have at our hands, even though we acknowledge we don't definitively know what really happened. Okay? That being acknowledged, this is a very awkward situation. Because, you know, Rob, one of the first things I said to you when, I, when we came into the office today, I said, okay, let's say for a second that Shia LaBeouf is right, that he quit, he let her know he quit, she tried to get him back, and her now sudden thing of telling the world that she fired him is not true at all. Let's say he's right about that. I can't think of a single thing that Olivia Wilde gains by telling people, everybody in the world that she fired Shia LaBeouf because there's no big public spat between Shia LaBeouf and her. They seem to be still, they seem to be very cordial with each other. There is no ongoing thing. She's got this movie that looks great that we should just be talking about the movie. But now, as you pointed out to me earlier, now nobody's talking about the movie. Everybody's talking about the drama now going on. And in a world where you got to know, listen, I keep every phone message left to me. Oh, no. On my drive. <laughs> <laughs> I, for, for ever since Google Voice came out, what, eight, nine years? I can't remember how many years ago. I have kept every single voicemail ever given to me. I don't delete emails. I keep them all. I don't delete any of them. Why? Because we live in a world where you got to have receipts. And she's got to know that <laughs> I sent Shia LaBeouf this video once. I mean... I, all I know is this, is that right now, not that we know the whole story, because we don't, but today, Livia Wilde doesn't look so good today. And it, it all seems so unnecessary. And, and the, by the way, Variety also shared the fact that Shia shared an email he sent to Olivia Wilde yesterday after that interview came out saying, hey, basically, listen, I... I think good thoughts of you. I pray for you and your success, but you and I both know what you said in that interview was not true. And can you please, at your earliest convenience, kind of set the record straight? Rob, you read the report in Variety. We see all this going on. And it the big shame here is, of course, we have this fantastic-looking movie coming out. Don't worry, darling. This incredible-looking movie coming out that we have all been excited about ever since we saw the things now. And unfortunately now the conversations are getting hijacked and we now have to talk about drama between an actor and a director and stuff like that. Number one, what do you think about we read? And number two, what kind of impact do you think this could have ultimately on this film? Well, first of all, I, I mean, I'm a huge Olivia Wilde fan. So am I. And from what I understand, uh, she originated this project. This is a passion project of hers. She's stepping up. She's working with much larger budget than she had with Booksmart. She's really venturing. And first of all, we need more female directors. We need more female directors that mm -hmm. are as good as she is, as she proved with, with Booksmart. Now, when you're a director and you've cast your movie, 
you think that that part is done, you know, and now you have to worry about being a director. And if something happens with actors, there is nothing that's more difficult, I think, for a director to deal with. And especially when, when an actor is not going to work out and you have to dismiss them. It's a terrible situation all around for everybody. I don't know what contracts, you know, they have to, maybe they had to say something for insurance purposes or for SAG purposes. I have no idea. I don't know, but there could actually be contractual reasons or that she had to use certain language. Um, I don't know, but uh, none of this should ever be made public. You know, I, I think it's, it shouldn't be an issue. It, it, and unfortunately it gets to be, an issue. It happens. It happens more often than we know. And when somebody has to deal with this, I would suspect that Olivia Wilde is dealing with, I mean, she's finished this movie. She's literally, this movie comes out in three weeks, four weeks. Soon. I mean, this is her life, man. And so I, she probably shouldn't have said, use the word fired. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she slipped or whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know that she did literally use the word fired, but when you read her thing, it was yeah, clear. The, she the fired. Insinuate, that, but was, I, that was the message. Yeah. All I can say is, I mean, she, she just finished it, 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 making a movie like this is like, I, I've never had a child. I don't know what it's like to birth something, but this is, this is close to that intellectually, physically making a movie. And when you've originated the project, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. I think that this is unfortunate that it happened. I think that they will get past it. The fact that it's now become an issue is a bummer because I think what's really important here is that this movie got made. It's a wonderful movie. She is a very, um, she's an emerging, really, really interesting voice in filmmaking. I hate that this occurred. Mm -hmm. This kind of thing just drives me berserk. And the fact that it, 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 it happens in public because then it, it overshadows the release of the film. It's so hard to get any movie made, but I think that I got to hand it to Shia LaBeouf because he's also got to protect. He's come out of, he's had his own issues. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to self-inflicted a lot of them. But he's making it, he's making a, I read somewhere that he's converted to Catholicism. He's making a movie about a priest or something. So he's got his own issues and he's trying to put his, Career together, we pointed out he did two great movies, you know, just recently. recently. Oh, yeah. Two he's great movies. Fabulous he's a fabulous performer. And he's a fabulous performer. And so he's also got to protect his reputation. So everyone's trying to do the right thing here. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, I, uh, I hope they both work this out and I hope it's put behind them as soon as possible. So glad you brought up the thing about. Why did any of this even become public? Yeah. Because people love this kind of this they do. I, I, BS. Again, listen, I, I get it. I, I am older than a lot of my contemporaries today who work in YouTube and stuff like that. But the, the, the babyish behavior today of people say, me and somebody have an issue. I'm going to take to social media and let everybody know about the problem I have with this person. Like, you know, the, the age I grew up in as a guy, I can only speak from the perspective of a guy. Cause that's the only perspective I know. But as a man, if you got an issue with somebody, you deal with that person directly and you keep it to yourselves unless it directly impacts the people around you. But this whole tendency today of everybody's like, Oh, I have a little bit of beef with somebody. I'm going to get on social media and let mm -hmm. the world know about my beef with this person. It's like you fucking losers. Anyway, um, Chris, you see this whole story. Mm -hmm. Listen, we we have been stoked about this. We're all big Olivia yeah. uh, Wilde fans. Booksmart, so good. We all think Shia LaBeouf is a tremendous actor and performer. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you see this. What are your thoughts and what, if any, impact do you think this kind of controversy may have ultimately, and the most important thing here, the film itself? I mean, I, I want to echo Rob. It overshadows the film. When we went to CinemaCon, 
my friends who are actors didn't really care. Where they like, oh, you get to go to Vegas for the week? That's cool. Like, to go see movies and be around people in our industry. And they're like, oh, neat. Once that Olivia Wilde drama happened at CinemaCon. Oh, and she got served the papers? She got served. Yeah. My phone blew up. I had people trying to FaceTime me every five minutes of, oh my God, were you there? What happened? Were you in what the was room this? when it happened? Yeah, exactly. It was a full Hamilton moment. And people only wanted to talk about that. And even the news that came out from it too was all this stuff about what happened at CinemaCon. What was this? Why did it happen? And that, you know, again, we don't know what's going on with any of these people. We just saw that happen and that overshadow her wonderful presentation uh, it was at she, she was incredible she kept Fantastic her cool she was wonderful and now we're having this which one nothing should have been said right i go back to the rule of my father jeff carr does it need to be said does it need to be said by me does it need to be said by me right now all three of those were a hell no and it could have been said a lot nicer too people leave films all the time for scheduling oh, yeah. conflicts yeah. and we just accept that and it's fine so I don't think anything needed to be said about this at all. And to your point, too, about what was going on with Shia, you know, we talk about this with celebrity behavior all the time of you have to not only apologize, but you have to have changed behavior. You have to make amends and show that you are working to be a better person. And it looks like that is what Shia LaBeouf is trying to do. Again, I can only base this off of what we're seeing in emails that are being shown. I don't know anyone from Adam here. Yeah. But you have to protect yourself too and if someone's saying that you as an actor who has a very public persona of being problematic were problematic on a set and you weren't you got to take ownership of that you have to control your own narrative that's really all you have in this industry mm -hmm. is your reputation at the end of the day so the whole thing is unfortunate and i'm just really sad that it's overshadowing what looks to be a really interesting film a really unique original story and this is what we're talking about instead and also, you know, to echo that, it's kind of a bummer that now Olivia Wilde has had two incidents that she has to deal with about this movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. With that CinemaCon thing. And it, it isn't fair to her. And and I respect anyone that, you know, gets to direct a film. And, and uh, you know, I, I actually was privileged to see her pitch reel that she had made to, to sell this oh, movie. Oh, that's cool. It was awesome. You know, and, and, and you, you, you're seeing somebody who we should be excited. You know, everyone talks about, well, we need more film movie directors that are, that are women. She's, she's a real deal. I mean, she's mm -hmm. got, she's bringing a real vision to the screen and book smart. As we talked about one of the great directorial debuts, one of the best, one of the best I've ever seen. It's so assured, so well done. And we should be celebrating her. And this is, I, I just hate that we're even talking about this because I can't wait to see this yeah, I'm excited movie. about the film. By the way, uh, I, I've been uh, informed by my uh, my assistant Taylor that the video that apparently Olivia Wilde had sent to Shia LaBeouf is apparently now public. Apparently it's on Twitter. It's going around Twitter. Who shared it? Don't know. Uh, no idea at this point, but apparently it's out there. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? We unfortunately have another situation where some ridiculous idiotic drama, but as unfortunately going to be having a direct impact on a highly anticipated, great looking movie is now out there. Uh, what do you think about the whole thing? The original story, Shia's follow up, all that kind of stuff. Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we are now going to open up the Super Chats. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts, theories, opinions, speculation, questions that you would like us to address? 
Super Chats now open. Fire them in. Uh, be relatively quick because we only keep the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes, but we will address those in the second half of the show. But before we get to those, surprise, surprise, we want to thank another sponsor today's <laughs> video, the folks over at Mint Mobile. We want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of the retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. And guys, I have been using Mint Mobile for months now, and I could not be more thrilled with the service. I also couldn't be more thrilled with the fact that my phone bill now is literally one third of what it used to be with my previous major care. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thanks to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show. Ray, let me ask you, do we have some of our members speaking? Speak yeah, friend and we do. What do they say? Um, okay, we got one from Dr. Stinky. He says, John He's a madman with an evil mind. What's your, your thoughts on John Campia playing Mr. Fantastic, huh? LOL. Over or under we get the WandaVision director for Fantastic Four all love and bring on the filthy well well first of all I mean I love John Campia playing uh Reed Richards only if we go Fantastic Two style and he break dances for us wow (laughs) I'm waiting Mm -hmm. no I think that we've we now have heard that Matt Shackman's probably going to get the job he's in Mm -hmm. talks I wouldn't imagine he I mean he probably will so that would be great I mean John could you play Reed Richards and if you did would you break dance? First of all, I would be the best Reed Richards. The best? The best. Whoa. And the, the thing is, it, like, again, it's like the Horatio Sanchez thing on, I think it was Horatio Sanchez in Saturday Night Live. Like, if I broke dance, it'd be like... Bro. It'd be too sexy? Too sexy! No! <laughs> no, Giovanni, too sexy! The world would break. So, no, I can't do that. All right, what's next? All right. Matt, <clears throat> Matt Boyle writes, Hey, Rob. What do you think if Andy Lau joined the MCU? And also, did you see they are releasing the Infernal Affairs trilogy? Oh, I, I would be all about that. Yes, Criterion's releasing all three Infernal Affairs movies on Blu-ray. I wish it was 4K, but yes. And bring on Andy Lau. I'm all about that. All right, what's next? All right, we got one from Josie Reviews. Rogue One tonight and Godzilla vs. Kong tonight back on the big screen this weekend. Let's go. It yes. is? It's back. Really? Back on the big screen? They got to put something in theaters. Have fun watching. Yeah, going to go see Rogue One tonight. Very, very excited about it. man. He also says, P.S. Darn you, Ray. I looked up the South Park Game of Thrones theme. Now it's stuck in my head. Wiener, wiener, wiener. wiener. All right, what's next? <laughs> That's right. Um, Scott Falzano writes, Hey, John and crew. Hope all is well. Wanted to ask if you think... House of the Dragon, 24-hour numbers will be affected at all by Sunday night football. 
Happy Friday. Yes. How big of an impact? I, I, I'm not really sure. But this, I mean, Game of Thrones always had to play against football, right? So, I mean, a lot of stuff to watch. So, impacted, yes, but I don't think it'll be a huge impact. All right. Famous Thanius writes, they're either going to introduce the son of Hulk, Scar, or they're going to make Hulkling his son. I doubt they'll do a World War Hulk with Bruce. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is the most likely. But listen, while I we can agree or disagree about anything, we got to be open that we say, Kevin Feige in that crazy mind can do anything. So, I mean, it's possible, but I, I, I side with you. I think Scar is probably the more likely yeah. scenario. Kelly Rhodes writes, why can't Marvel and Universal get together on a Hulk film like Marvel and Sony did with Spider-Man? Is it just no interest since the last Hulk film didn't do great at the box office? Well, we talked about this exact same question the other day. They're two completely different scenarios. Spider-Man was the most, probably the most valuable, most popular, most famous character in the MCU canon. And Sony held all the rights. They held the production rights. They have all the rights. This is a different situation where Universal only holds part of the rights. They can do something they want to. Listen, the ball is in Marvel's court. But, I mean, who knows? For all we know, a year ago, they may have already made a deal to get those rights back. We don't know. As far as I know, there's everything is still the way it's always been, but we'll find out. All right, what's all right. next? Cole writes, I would love to see them adapt the Ma Maestro Hulk storyline somehow in the MCU. Thank you guys for entertaining entertaining me this week while dealing with covid oh well oh, dude man. yeah get over that my, my wife better. had covid chris had covid yep. rob had covid listen um uh, ruffalo himself kind of alluded to it. maybe he was saying like i'll play till i'm 67 we could have a 67 you're like me so maybe there's something there with that they i don't i don't think your wish is going unheard Let's i wonder that. if they could make a maestro movie because it's not the Hulk. No, you, no judge would let you get away with that. They, if they took you to court of that, you would lose instantly. I mean, they could do that, though. They could make it like no, a, a Elf Worlds movie. <laughs> no, they can't. They would lose instantly. <laughs> you got to get those deals made first. All right, what's next? Brendan M. writes, Hey, y'all, hesit hesitating watching House of the Dragon because I'm feeling a little burnt out on brutality brutality after binging Handmaid's hand hand Tale. Oh. Does the show hit you with brutality every 10 minutes or is it like once an episode? Thanks. <laughs> uh, it wasn't every 10 minutes. It, it wasn't <laughs> like they hit you when they want you feeling something. And and in the first episode, they give you some brutality to juxtapose against another hard to watch scene. But there's a juxtaposition going on there imagery wise. That's important for what they're doing. So it wasn't every 10 minutes, but it is still there. And it's brutal. Uh, this one's in interesting because it's one of two. <laughs> Life Mastery Mindset. Hey, John and gang, I wanted to hear your thoughts on my th my theory about MCU X-Men. I think when Tony snapped back everyone, no. he also wanted the world. And then I guess he's going to have to wait for next month. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I honestly don't think the snap uh, or the unsnap. Remember, the real unsnapping was not done by Tony. The real unsnapping was done by Bruce. Bruce is the one who brought everybody back. It wasn't Tony's snap. Tony's snap was just to kill Thanos and his army. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't think that is going to play into anything that has to do with the X-Men or the emergency. I mean, that, that's not to say that they won't. It's possible, but I don't think they will. That's All it. right, we done? Yep. All right, let's move on now with the Super Chat questions. Chris, what do we got? Official Friend Zone says, I guarantee Bear McCreary was asked to do the Lord of the Rings soundtrack after his work in God of War. That is the best soundtrack for a game I've ever heard. Dude, I'll tell you what, watching the Video Game Awards, the year that it won Game of the Year, they do this thing where this orchestra plays like the various music themes play. Man, that music in God of War is so good. 
It's so good. So you might be right about that. All right, what's next? What's that support there? Oh, from Joshua McGregor, some support. Thank you, Thank Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. From Al Renshaw, have you seen the Aquaman 2 concept art shared by James Wan? It looks great, and Black Manta is wielding a trident. I think, that, I think at CinemaCon we might have seen... Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit of him holding a trident, right? So, no, I haven't seen this concept art, but... It's the mind of James Wan, man. <laughs> I am assuming it's going to be beautiful and gorgeous. Listen, with them moving dates, I wouldn't be surprised at all if James Wan and the studio start, hey, guys, just to keep you excited about Aquaman, they're going to start leaking some things out. I wouldn't be surprised at all. All right, what's next? From official friend zone again, seeing how good Rings of Power is will let me gauge how Amazon will handle God of War. If they give it even half the budget, word of mouth, of Rings of Power, we're in for a masterpiece. Hard to say, because yeah. remember... It's, yeah, it's the same studio, but it's the people who are going to be making God of War are going to be a completely different set of people. PlayStation. If Rings of Power ends up being the greatest show we've ever seen, that doesn't mean one lick that the God of War, who of course is being made by the PlayStation studio, that doesn't for one second mean the God of War show is going to be any good. If Rings of Power ends up being the worst piece of junk we've ever seen, that doesn't mean the God of War series won't be the best. What do you think? No, I totally agree. And, and, and you know, we have PlayStation Studios. They, they did Uncharted. They're going to be the ones making God of War, I guess, through Sony. So, I mean, Amazon is essentially the distributor. But, I, you know, I think that it's in everybody's best interest. God of War is a franchise property. The last thing they Huge want to do. franchise potential. Yeah, like, I mean, the Halo series, they didn't want, uh, and that turned out okay. I, I caught up with Halo. I like that. I'm not I, a big Halo fan, but I like the I liked, series. I liked it, too. And, I, I mean, for a video game adaptation, uh, I think God of War is going to kick some ass. All right. What's Depends next? Depends on who plays Kratos. From Campia and Curiosity Killed the Cat. <laughs> hey, crew. Yesterday, in memory of my mom's birthday, I rewatched one of our favorite movies, Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Have you seen it? Chilling story. You know what? I, I talked a while ago about all my my favorite Hitchcock films. And I think I mentioned two that I haven't seen. I haven't seen that one. It's great. It's great. Would you like to borrow my disc? I'm sure I can probably find it on streaming somewhere. It's the one where like she is getting gaslit by her husband, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's real good. All right. Okay. All right. What's next? From Corey Hensley, Chris. What's the scotch you speak of? Is John finally trying Lagavulin perchance? Black Adder is another good one, but rare. Also check out Highland Park. So this is the Targaryen uh, special edition from Kalthu, I believe. Lagavulin, I don't think John would like because that's hella peaty. Um, I'm a big Lafroy person myself. I don't have a sense of smell. So when you get like a really mountainy scotch, oh, I like it. If it tastes like alcohol. So I won't like exactly. it. Exactly. This it. has a lot of like vanilla caramel-y things, so I think you'll enjoy your one little guy. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's next? <laughs> From Grubby Don't Play. Did you see Brandy is to star in the Eggers Brothers' The Front Room for A24? This is her first major lead role uh, in a film since Osmosis Jones. Wow. Love group. <laughs> I, I have not heard of it. I haven't heard of the project. haven't heard of this. But good. listen, if she's the best person for it, good on her. That's awesome. I love hearing people having success. That's yeah. great. I love All her right. Cinderella. What's next? Andy, one of two. I think Rob asking if Dan Lin knows about Crisis on Infinite Earths was the right question. I think if you're trying to make a shared film universe, I really don't. Oh. Yep. Is that it? Mm, I guess that's not the one. Weird. Shared film I mean, universe. All right. It's not like time to it. go search for it, unfortunately. All right. So anyway, uh, what he's, what he's, look, I would, I would say this. I believe there is a common belief amongst film fans that is absolutely false which is if a filmmaker is making a film about a certain IP or property, 
that the only way they can do a good job directing is if they are a pre-existing fan of that property. That has been disproved over and over and over again. Now, it certainly doesn't hurt. Well, he's taking over DC. Yeah. And my, my point was, though, is that I was using it as 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 meeting all of DC. I could have picked right. Dark Knight Returns. I just picked that particular one because. But that's a good one to pick out because, like, if so, if they know that, then you kind of get an idea yeah. about what the, the general scope that they have. Yeah, I mean, I think. And also, Dan Lin, having uh, participated in the Batman Lego movie, they know. Like he's a smart guy. He's is. I I was just using that as I was asking a question to someone else about what they thought, and I was using that as an example more for the person that I was asking about Dan Lin than Dan Lin himself. So here's one of the things that was in that Variety article about him, though, or the Hollywood Report article about him, and this is the key part to me. He is like David Zaslav in the sense that anything he's not a complete expert on, he will surround himself yeah. with people who are experts on it. Remember his main job as running DC is not to know in DC inside out. His main job is to make sure great projects get made, that they get supported properly, they get funded properly, they get made with the right people, all that kind of stuff. If, and for all we know, he's the second world's biggest DC expert, for all we know. But if he's not, I guarantee you the first couple of people he's going to hire from his reputation is going to be like the world's biggest DC experts. Oh, he will probably have as his own personal small council. He's very highly and educated. He'll, he'll, as maybe well. he'll hire um, Bruce Timms as his hand of the king. I, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> That'd be fun. All right, what's next? From Luis Enrique de la Pena, anime recommendation. My stepmom's daughter is my ex. <laughs> it tells the story of Mizuto Rito, who had broken up with his girlfriend in middle school, but when his dad suddenly marries again, his new stepmom's daughter is his ex. <laughs> Shenanigans ensue. <laughs> wow. That sounds like a great setup for an episode of How I Met Your Mother. But I mean, actually, that actually sounds kind of neat. I love these little weekly recommendations yeah. for the anime stuff. Because you know me, I'm not an anime guy. So I love hearing about this stuff. It's so cool. All right. What's next? From Andy, I really didn't like the music choice for the final Rings of Power trailer. They would have been better off just replaying I See Fire by Ed Sheeran. Okay. First of all, first of all, first of all. That song should have won an Academy Award for Best Song from a Motion Picture. It didn't get nominated. I See Fire by Ed Sheeran is a powerful piece of music. I love it. That said, yes, the music choice for the second Rings of Power trailer, the one that came off of, like, the Comic-Con trailer is awesome. That other trailer music choice Not just since killed Edge it. of Tomorrow as a pop song it, it, been it, so misused. Yeah, it was a misused, misused, misused thing. All right, what's next? From Jay Master, Rob, last night was a big night for Seattle at Lumen Field because the weekend toured the city and put on an awesome concert. I would love to have seen that, uh, but I'm glad that everyone's excited. By I've way, never even been in that. I've never been there. I just want to should point out here because you know I am. Weekend. I knew you were going to do that. Good Canadian kid. <laughs> just throwing it out there. It's got to remind everybody. Good Canadian kid the weekend. All right. What's next? From Rob's uh, groupie going to see Breaking tomorrow. Can't wait. Which What's one breaking? Is breaking? That's the new one with John Boyega where he robs. The yes. Oh, that yes. Movie. Yes. Oh. Did that open this weekend? I was thinking about the breakdancing movie is coming back. That yeah, Breaking and Breaking 2. Electric that Boogaloo. movie looks so with good. Shabba, Shabadoo yeah, yeah. and Shabarex. Oh. Yeah, I, that, that Boyega movie looks so good. It I does. Know. Is it opening in theaters? I thought that was like, a, I'm going to go see that. I'm not sure. But oh, yeah, man. Check that out. Know. All right. What's next? From Jai CSC, one of two, I hope the recent and unwarranted negative response hasn't put you off Bollywood and India cinema forever. <laughs> Is there a part two for that one? No. Okay. All right. No, lo, lo, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. 
it it has temporarily. <laughs> it has it has temporarily. Um, and so, oh yeah, dude, I, I have never seen such a awful response to me saying I tried a movie for a bit of it. It wasn't for me. Woo! <laughs> yeah, no, it it turned me. I'm not listen. I'm a human being. I'm just I'm a human being. So that response, Rob, you saw my reaction. Yep. My response was like, not only have you solidified, like, has this toxic group of people made sure I never want to watch the rest of this movie? It's made me not want to watch any movie of this genre because of people like you. Um, but I, I will get over that. I will. Uh, but yeah, temporarily it has, unfortunately. All right. What's next? From Mr. Old Blue Eyes. I finally watched Nope. I know you didn't love it, John, but I must say it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Anyway, thanks for a great show today and bring on the filthy. I'm glad you have it. Listen, there are definitely moments in Nope. Like like Ray was with me when I saw it. The the scene in the stable is one of the most tension film scenes I've seen in like two years. Like that entire scene, I'm like gripping the side of my chair and at the first couple of times you see something move in the sky. Mm -hmm. Like Jordan Peele is a master of creating tension. He really, really is. I was not thrilled with the resolution of the film and kind of certain decisions they made along the way. Listen, I still enjoyed it. I, like in a thumbs up or thumbs down world, Nope for me is a thumbs up movie. But you're right. I didn't love it. I, I think it's probably, it, it's in between us, like not as bad as us, not as good as um, Get Out. Oh, agreed. But yeah, there it is. But I'm glad you enjoyed it that much, man. That's the important thing. All right, what's next? We're going to just have to take this as we go through the segment. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Dawn Williams. Yeah, guys, like, like just let me get six. the Guys, we love the support, but like three, four, five part messages don't usually work very well here. But let's go and see what we can do. We'll have to go part oh, by God, part. Sorry, Dawn. Uh, finally got around to watching Everything Everywhere All at nice. Once. And it's definitely one of my favorites. Watch because all of the comparisons between Multiverse of Madness and Everywhere All at Once. And the comparison is unwarranted and superficial. Oh, I agree. Ooh. I totally agree. The, sayings, this, the saying that came out that everything all at once is the best multiverse movie of the year. That's obviously meant as a knock on, on Dr. Strange two, but it was true. They are two completely different movies, but it is the best multiverse movie of the year. It's the best movie of the year. Well, a lot of it just came from Jamie Lee Curtis stirring shit and being like, you want to go see a real multiverse of madness this weekend? Oh, yeah, kids? That was it was funny. great. And, and she's so good in that movie. Oh, God, I love wonderful. her in that. All right. What's next from attack of the Mushi? How's mama Campia doing? You know what? Better. Um, I mean, look, when you, when you had the, the health issues she had, listen, she's not even supposed to be here. Like when, when I was going out there, what my family had told me was like, yeah, 90% chance. Like she can't survive without the surgery. 90% chance she doesn't survive the surgery. I'm, and the fact that she's still crazy. So way better than before. All right. That's thanks good. for asking. Yeah. What's next? From Sam Fisher, we talked about Marvel not doing a Hulk movie due to dis, uh, distribution rights, but could they do a Hulk show? No. Do the same distribution rules apply to TV shows as movies? Uh, I believe the basic rights, any yeah. rights to do to do something with the Hulk, I think under are under the auspices. Plus, Marvel would never make a straight up Hulk show. I mean, I, I just think that's way too expensive an undertaking. Now you can say, well, how's it different with She-Hulk? Well, with She-Hulk, it's a law thing. It's going to be a lot of courtrooms and simple sets. Hulk show, I don't think you can do financially. All right, what's next? From Amin, I've been writing a novel, and I've realized that one of the hardest parts for me is writing dialogue. Any tips or suggestions on ways to improve? For me, the, the piece of advice I got from 
a writer whose name you would recognize is talk to talk the conversation out in a mirror. Yep. Mm-hmm. And how, whatever naturally comes out of you, write it that way. Uh, depending on the idiosyncrasies and the individual characters, but start with what you know, and that always worked for me. All right, what's next? Uh, Andy, part two. Um, so this is the crisis question. You should be very familiar with the material. Otherwise, Lynn being in charge of DC black label films, something like Joker and the Batman is great. I disagree entirely. What Dan Lynn would be, it would be his responsibility to make sure the person who's directing his films is really familiar with the material, that his executives are really familiar with the material. His job is to make is to number one, be a great film executive, be somebody who knows how to get movies made, understands how to properly shepherd them and all that kind of stuff. The ins and outs of the story and the narrative and the dialogue, you make sure you hire the right people to know how to do that. It's not his number one job. All right, what's next? From Dr. J, not only is Matt Shackman an innovative director with a diverse list of credits, he's a wonderfully charismatic and passionate guy that Kevin Feige can trust to sell an important project with a sketchy history. Uh, sketchy history is to say the least. <laughs> but no, you're right. Like they, they said before, Rob, that, that Kevin Feige is looking for somebody that he doesn't have to babysit. Right. That, that, that and the experience that Kevin Feige had with WandaVision, WandaVision still being, I believe, the best series Disney Plus has had, says a lot. And WandaVision was a big swing. That was, yes. I mean, this was so not, different. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of tones, tonal shifts in that show, a lot of different location shifts and different characters introduced. Um, and he did a fantastic job with all of it. I think he's a fine choice to direct Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Andy, Eric Kripke is Thanos, and he's collecting his six infinity stones to put on his gauntlet, the boys. <laughs> And that's Jensen, Jared, Jim Beaver, JDM, Misha, and Mark. And he's already got several of those yeah. stones in the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I want to see at some point, doesn't have to do this, obviously, and it would just be for schlock. But I mean, to have one scene where all that supernatural cast is all together in one scene and somebody to say, this feels familiar. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to see that. I think that would be great. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, so excited for Maestro at the movies. Any <laughs> advice for navigating LAX? Ooh, shout out to Jonathan for all the food suggestions. I have literally, I I'm, wish I was going to kid you here. I'm not. This is the absolute truth. I have turned down trips because it would have required me flying out of LAX. I hate it. I think <laughs> that, that that is hell. That I think that if you go to hell, awful. it's just LAX. <laughs> it's, I remember once, like, my GPS. I I, Ooh, I remember yeah. once. I think it was. I think it was freaking. Uh, I think it was fucking. It was Johns. It was, I think it was Jeremy Johns once. Flew in, and for whatever reason, he had to fly into LAX. Couldn't fly into one of the other airports. And so I I go to pick him up at the airport, and my GPS is like, okay, forty five minutes from where you are. Great. And sure enough, I get to within eye shot of LAX within about forty five minutes. It took me another forty minutes to get from the edge of the airport to the terminal where he was getting, like, I was like, yeah, I was screaming at my wheels. Like I am never coming back here again. I just, Oh God, I hate that airport so much. It's, it's the worst. It's, it's the absolute awful. worst. If you're ever flying into LA, see, see if you can fly into Burbank airport. Oh, Bob Hope is the best. Bob Hope airport is the best experience. If you it's can't great. fly into Bob Hope, try to fly in or there. Or if you want to come visit us, Ontario. Oh yeah, Ontario you could do airport. Ontario. Yep, there's an Ontario airport and has actually flown out of Ontario a couple of times. So, mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Hut359, did you see the YouTube video Top Gun Maverick being Star Wars for three minutes? Yep. <laughs> Thoughts and any hope they take inspiration from Top Gun for Rogue Squadron? Uh, well, first of all, I have not seen this video. It's great. But you don't need to take inspiration from that because, like, 
to this day, the space battle scene in Return of the Jedi is the greatest combat scene in the history of film. But I have not seen this video. What's it it's like? It's pretty. It, it, it intercuts Star Wars clips with Top Gun clips. Oh, my God. Because the, the end of Top Gun is, and by the way, by yeah. design, Chris McQuarrie is probably thinking to himself when he rewrote that script, he's like, you know what? We're just going to make it the attack on the Death Star. I yeah. mean, flat out. And, and it, it's the, exactly the it, attack instead, on the, the Death Star. The thing Star. in Maverick is three meters. Yeah. And in Star Wars, it's two meters. <laughs> you know, it's just the same. It's pretty. It's fun to watch. It's good. All right. What's next? From uh, Dildar. Greetings from the toilet. How's your day's day going? Well, oh, good for you for, yours, it sounds like. for pottying. Well, it sounds like well, our day's going better than yours. Yeah. <laughs> May you not have to be on there much longer. All right, what's next? From Ron H. On Thursday's show, so cool to see my super chat about another super chat get super chatted about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the recommendation, Sir John. Uh, EEGA was weird fun. Love the show and this community. You know what I love? My fa- I've been saying this for years, Rob. You know I've talked about this before. My favorite thing that happens on this show is when we have one of our community recommend a show or a movie and then later another member of our community write in and say, somebody shared this the other day and I went and saw it and I loved it. And I'm like, that is what online film community is supposed to be. Sharing the things we love mm-hmm. and then other people being able to experience that thing we love. And that is why, that is my biggest kick. It still is to this day, Rob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Whether they're, they're saying, hey, Rob, you suggested this or especially when they say one of the other viewers wrote in and recommended yeah. this and I did. You I know, that. that happened to me yesterday. Like I always talk about the science fiction novel called Blind Sight. And somebody wrote to me and said, Neil Blumkamp is, de- is developing it. I think I heard something about that. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, really? That's exciting. I was like, I got excited. All right, what's next? All right, more on the uh, multiverse comparison. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do one again. Uh, one is a character study built around a tragic, doomed search for happiness. Another is a pondering of the nihilism of infinite possibility. So we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once, I believe. And, and, yeah. And multiverse of madness. Yeah. And, all, and accurate. I mean, yeah, completely yep. accurate depiction. But yeah. I'm sure we'll get to more of those as we mm-hmm. go. All right, what's next? From TJ Thomas, I know why there's no Avengers. They don't have a pay plan or medical. Normal life is expensive. <laughs> I love that discussion. Yeah. Avengers? Okay, great. Do they have medical? Yeah. Do they have paternity leave? Do they get paid? Do they even get paid? And why are they all these superheroes? I still love, I mean, they played it in the first trailer. I still love it. All these superheroes are just egotistical, blah, blah. And oddly, always adult orphans. And like, that is just, I mean, everybody's saying, oh, that's such a thing to Tony. No, no, no. That was a thing to Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I love that. But I, I love that speech as well because that is a question I mean, I was watching last night, I was watching, I got into this kick last night of watching some breakdown videos of House of Dragon and watching some breakdown videos of the She-Hulk. And one of the commenters online said, pointed out that, like that question about, do Avengers even get paid? And it goes back to a conversation that happened in Age of Ultron, where like Captain America was even saying he can't afford an apartment in the Bronx. And it's like, I can't afford that. Like, so it's like, yeah, how do these guys live? Or in uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, when Sam's got to go to the bank to try to get a loan to keep their house, and they're like, didn't Tony Stark set up something for you guys? It's like, that's not how it works. Like, how do these guys get paid? It's a very good question. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, now all we need is for Netflix to greenlight Sandman season two. Oh, man, yes. please, 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 please. please. I, th- if the producers can just find a way to shave a little off the budget and go to them, I bet you they would. Mm-hmm. They might, they might anyway. Season two is going to be really, really expensive. Yeah. really expensive. That's why I love them. Neil's like, we could go somewhere else. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah but, I'm open to that. But can they? I f- if they don't shave, like if you you go to a peacock with the budgets that you're proposing, you might need. Can peacock say yes to it? Probably not. Would an apple could? Well, apple. Yeah, apple. Listen, that's everybody forgets. Everybody talks about oh, how much money Disney has. Listen, Apple and Amazon can buy and sell Disney 12 times over. Mm-hmm. Like the money is not a problem for Amazon or for Apple. Well, Apple's got me so many times of, oh, I can watch this episode for just like a buck. Yeah. I'll, I'll just go ahead and do that. And then five episodes later, I'm like, I've, yeah, uh, well, okay, I, <laughs> I'm not going to get more. a coffee tomorrow. Well, think about that. One dollar <laughs> for an hour of entertainment. Yeah. That's not bad. No. Not bad. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, one of two. Do you know why it's soccer and not football in the U.S.? The name soccer comes from an abbreviation of the word association. And that's all. I oh, and that's it? Oh. never knew that. I didn't either. I learned something new every day. I love that. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you for sharing that. Do, I, you know what? I have wondered about that before. It's like, like, I get why they don't call it football here, because we have a sport here that's very, very popular here that we are to call football. But why soccer? Mm-hmm. That, thank you for pointing that out, man. All right, what's next? Proof that no one listens to me in this place. Have, have you, have you that told that us that people, before? I've literally explained That's that. That's crazy. No one listens. <laughs> now you sound like my wife. We only pay attention when you're talking about Batman. True. <laughs> yes. From Adam Henson. It's tough being a Vulcan captain because of my death grip. I can't play with myself. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, do, 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 do. Love it. <laughs> there is no such thing as the Vulcan death grip, by the way. Just so you know. Rob got Just it. incapacitates oh. you, right? Hmm. All right. What's um, next? From Johnny Weiner. Hi, Chris. Uh, thank you for the presentation note. Uh, with Aquaman 2 coming out over a year later, what are the chances they might do reshoots, including recasting a certain actress? By the way, love you, but John Cable Management. Okay. First of all, let me be very, very clear about this. Cable management is for the weak who are more concerned about what their mothers think of their offices than actually <laughs> getting real work done. Okay, can we settle that? Thank you. Whoa. Uh, next. When did we get into cables? What happened yesterday? <laughs> so uh, just, just throwing that out there. Cable management is for the week. Uh, unless, unless you're in a situation where once you set something up, it never moves and never gets changed. When you're people like us, where you are always swipping out, sw- uh, switching out gear, changing things around, the last thing you want, you want to be able to just unplug a cable, pull it out, plug something else in. Mm-hmm. You don't want to spend 20 minutes going, let's go undo this zip tie. And now let's go undo this zip tie. Does it make your computer run any faster? Yeah. No? Then shut up. Okay. We're not going to start a Pinterest board anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, I'm very, very <laughs> passionate about no cable management. Professionals don't <laughs> no do cable management. No, again, unless you don't intend of ever moving it for like yeah. six months. That's fine. I, was, I forgot the question. Oh, are they going to replace a certain actress in uh, Aquaman 2? No. no, they're not. That has nothing to do with this. Especially when you look at Zaslav right now, Zaslav is not looking, what's that? You have a completed movie and you'd like to spend more money on it? Tell me more. That is not David Zaslav's motif right now. Now tell me more about how you'd like an additional $30 million to do something that's completely unnecessary for my movie. I'd like to hear more. No, no, that is clearly not David Zaslav. So, I mean, listen, nothing's impossible, but I I don't think so, nor do they need to. There's no need to do it. All right, what's next? From Ulatan, the House of the Dragon acronym is Hot D. That's a ju- <laughs> I mean, It's true. I mean, George R. R. Martin says that. Doing the Lord's work here. Well done. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're right. Hot D. Let's get into that. Hot, spicy D. That's, right. that's what the after show is going to be called now. <laughs> 
Just thank you for tuning in for this week's hot, hot D. Spicy D. <laughs> if you're if it's hot and spicy, go see a doctor. From Lorenzo Ramos. Hey, Robin Ray. I started watching For All Mankind. It was hooked by the end of the first episode. All right, man. That's what we love to hear on this show. Right, John just said it. Week. We love it. Ray, Ray's making Ray a happy man. Go we to got the moon, Ray. We should have like a little tally. Like we just put like a little stick. You, you know, know what? If Sony <laughs> would send us more swag, we'd wear it more we on the show. We should give you a little bell. That's right there. Oh, yeah. Or like that. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> a little air horn. Okay, wait. Well, we need yeah. a, we need I got to tell the story. I got to tell the story. So last night, I I don't like I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but bus here it comes. So <laughs> we're at this big Filipino family thing at this Filipino restaurant. I talked a little bit about the beginning of the show. So you got all these Filipinos there and this. And first of all, the DJ. DJ Edge. His name is DJ Edge. And he's just this normal looking Filipino man in his probably early 50s dressed up in a suit. DJ Edge. And it's like, okay. So all the Filipinos are getting up there to do karaoke. Um, Dancing Queen by ABBA was the most out there. Most of them are singing like these Barry Manilow tunes and like mm-hmm. the and even okay. some some softer Filipino songs. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And then in between sets, he would hit that fucking DJ. Wah, 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 wah. Like, it's like, this <laughs> not with this at all. Like, so now <laughs> we want to announce that we are introducing that horn to the John Campion I, show. I told them, I said, what we going to do is that every time Ray says anything when he's done talking, Ray should hit a sound pad button and goes, wah, 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 whenever Ray speaks. What we need is a still frame like we have of Brie Larson of Ed Baldwin, the character of Ed Baldwin. Whenever somebody brings up For All Mankind, you just hit that Oh, picture. wow, Rob totally was it. All right, sorry. We, we're almost out of time, and we still have like, right, a go, ton go, of questions go, to go, go, so let's keep going. All right, seconds from Disaster. How do you think Fury reacted from the peak uh, to seeing... Our- Erisham towering over Earth, and when will the MCU address it? I, I listen. I, I mean, everybody said, "Well, they addressed it in Shield episode two. Not really. Um, no, they did. I don't know when they're going to address it, but somebody's got to bring it up. The landscape of the planet has just changed. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be, be brought it's, up. It's going to be brought up in Wakanda forever. They're going to bring. A lot I hope of you're stuff. right. They're I hope you're right. It'd be a nice. lot, a lot of geopolitical geopolitics is going to be brought up in Wakanda mm. forever. All right, what's next? All right, and now in the next chapter, part three. From Juan William, the movie had Talk more. About everything in, everywhere. The movie had more in common with Eternals. One asks for meaning in the face of constant cosmic cycles baked into existence itself. The other asks for meaning amidst a sea of random chaos. Dude, uh, I want to read your thesis. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. It is good. All right, what's this is really good. From Jonathan Vigoa, WB pulls most of animation off of HBO with little warning. Kind of feels like the 2021 day one theater HBO Max situation. Should have given more of a notice. Except. It's going to be hard to hear. Nobody cared. (laughs) So many people care, John. I I, I mean, obviously, when I say nobody, that is hyperbole. (gasps) But in the grand scheme of percentages, it was a small percentage of HBO. Part of the reason why they pull it down is because compared to its other stuff, it did not get a lot. That's the real real takeaway. No one was watching it. I was. I know. I know. It was me. But at, at the end of the day you got to do what is best for your service. And that doesn't fit with where they're going. And so they pulled it off. I mean, could they have given more notice? Sure. But really, what would that have accomplished? Although now I want to see Infinity Train, and I don't even know anything oh, about it. I've never even heard yeah, You would love pilot. Infinity Train. 
Uh, it is so good. It is excellent sci-fi storytelling. Is it like Galaxy Express 999? I don't know what that is, Rob. Yeah. It's like Transylvania 65000. I don't know what you that know. is, Jonathan. That's that. Oh. All right. What's next? From, uh, oh, can we scroll up a little? Uh, oh, here? There we go. Yeah. yeah. Dante Sarekia. Hi, all. With HBO Max canceling Batman Cape Crusader and the hunt for a home continues as it's still being produced, over under 25% it goes to Fox like Gotham did, or better yet, the parent company, Disney. I don't see Disney getting in that game. Um, Fox is also owned by Disney, so I don't know that Disney wants to get in that game. Mm -hmm. I think places, I already brought them up. I think places like Peacock become a good option. I think Paramount Plus becomes a good option. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think that Warner Brothers just threw Cape Crusader out. No, Warner Brothers is still producing the show. Warner Brothers Animation is still making that show. It's just not going to live on HBO Max. I, I Those are my two picks. Disney is not going to promote DC superheroes. No, I, I can't see them doing that either. But I think Paramount Plus or Peacock are good viable options for them. Agreed. All right, what's next? All right, someone in the chat said that the pew 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 noise should be called the Allen Horn. Oh my God, that is so perfect. That's genius. Somebody hit the Allen Horn. Oh. <laughs> I love it. All right, from Sam Fisher. That's what I don't get about Welcome to Rexham. Is it an actual documentary or a documentary mockumentary where Rob and Ryan are playing themselves? No, it's, it's a documentary. It's, it's a do it's, that's a valid question. Because honestly, the first time I saw a trailer for it, I wondered that myself. Me too. Um, but no, it is a documentary series, and it's way better than I thought it would be. Like, way, I am so invested in this now. And God, as a professional sports fan, the tiered league system has to be adopted by North American teams. You finish in last place in the NFL, you get relegated to the XFL. And the team that wins the XFL championship, I don't even think XFL exists anymore. But whatever team, or yeah, The Rock brought it back. Anyway, whatever team wins the XFL championship gets promoted up into the NFL. Like, And they had like six different tiers. I love that system. I want to see that in North American professional sports. All right, what's next? From Tim Platt, weird question. If you could describe yourself as a TV show, what would it be? For example, Ray, in my opinion, would be Harley Quinn because of his hilarious <laughs> random one-liners. <laughs> That's not Ooh. bad. That's Ooh. not bad. Um, Hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be the Twilight Zone. I'd probably nice. be some oh, PBS thing. <laughs> kind of dull. <laughs> kind of dull and just there. That new girl. Yeah, I was going oh, to go. yeah, yeah. say yeah. new girl. I was yeah. totally going to say new girl for it's you. just girl. watching it as a documentary where I'm like, look at me and Logan. <laughs> there That's it is. Great. All right. What's next? From Luis Enrique de la Pena, tomorrow is my 43rd birthday. Happy birthday. What's birthday. your favorite cake flavor? Mine is chocolate ice cream cake. Ooh, nice. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. Cake um, flavor? My, my favorite straight up, like if we're not talking like uh, cheesecake or other things, like mm -hmm. straight cake, vanilla cake, chocolate ice, icing is my favorite cake. Oh man, I don't like sweets. And so my friend Megan every year, she doesn't get to this year because she moved to Ohio to buy a house like a selfish girl. But she would make me a pasta cake. And so she'd make me penny pasta that was all put together with like ricotta and marinara and everything. And it was magnificent. And also we're a day apart, Luis. So wow. I want to be a, her friend. She's the best. And she's an incredible baker. So like for her to make this for me is also like beneath her. All right. Wow. <laughs> Have you ever seen Big Night? No. Okay. Well, you need to watch Big Night. And then when you see the timpani that they make, you'll be like, yes. That. Oh, I do like that dish. So. All right. Mm -hmm. What's next? Uh, from Kimmy Ricker. Sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thank you, Kimmy. 
Not to talk about more drama with Olivia Wilde, I heard a rumor that Florence Pugh isn't a fan of her either and won't do any promos on the film. Ooh. Um, I heard the complete opposite. I, I have heard that that was like bullshit. Like those rumors never came from anywhere reliable. Because like if you were at CinemaCon, like Olivia Wilde just gushes about Florence Pugh, like gushes about her. So, I mean, and to do, I mean, actors are contractually obligated to do. Promos yeah, you don't you film. don't get to yeah. refuse mm, the whole like reason. The, Ed, the whole that <laughs> like the fact that Edward Norton Jr., as great as an actor as he is, the reason his career got completely sidetracked was because he he did refuse to promote the film he was in. And that wasn't just Disney that that pissed or Marvel that, that pissed off. It looked all the studios looked at him and were like, huh. And so, no, that's that's not something. Don't believe that. All right. What's next? From Stubble McShave. What do you think about the new Academy CEO wanting Oscar producers with live TV experience, a host and no fundamental categories pre-taped? No kids table. Yay. Um, you can say yay, but the reality is it worked. It worked and it shortened the show and it made it better. And quite frankly, and I know this isn't popular to say, you put on this show for the wide audience. And there are some categories that the wide audience does not care about. And guess what? For years, we've had the technical aspect of it. Are we saying that the Oscars have been disrespecting those things all this time because they're not on the main show? No, we just understand that those are the categories and these are the issues that the general audience who is watching the Oscars don't really care about themselves, but they still get their honor. I love the idea of a host. I've always thought they should have a host, even though the one year that they, the first year they did it without a host, I was surprisingly impressed with how well it went. But it really does need a host. And I think uh, so too. Well, host and TV, TV experience. experience. What's that? I mean, TV experience is pretty important. Live TV experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think, is super important. Yeah. Now, Rob, you are, when it comes to the issue of not pre taping certain categories, which, by the way, at the Oscars this year, when they did that, no, they did. It was it, it wasn't bad. Very well. It wasn't bad. It wasn't but bad. But you you do think opposite of me on that? I, I but I mean, look, I think it it's, you know, we're we're there to first and foremost honor the art of filmmaking. But I understand it also has to be a great show. But I think a host. Uh, uh, look, I used to love watching Billy Crystal, you know, and and Oscar, 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 <laughs> you know, and all those. It was Oscar, great. Oscar, no, Oscar. No, I, <laughs> I knew he was going to do that. I love. I love that. That's what I want to see. I want it to be, you know what? I want it to be an entertaining show is what I want more than anything else. And whatever they can do to make it entertaining, I'm there. But I do miss, I, I miss that opening number. You know, I don't want to see Rob Lowe and sing to Snow White. Hugh Jackman's was great. That was great too. The Hugh Jackman he opening was a great number host. Was, was great. Give me, I want, I want pomp and circumstance and glamour. You know who puts on a better show? And even though I, I think they have no relevance whatsoever, but you know who puts on a better show than the Oscars? The Golden Globes. The Golden Globes have always put on, even though I think their their awards are worth a paperweight, but they put on a great show, right? Do, I mean, do, does, does everybody agree that they put on a better better show? Oh, yeah. You know what they don't have? Short documentary as a category <laughs> at all. They don't even have the category. No, I... Look, so, I mean, I don't know. If I could pick an Oscar host, Dave Chappelle. After watching him speak uh, at, at uh, John Stewart's Mark Twain Awards, uh, when he got the Twain Award... He was great. Yeah, never happened. He was great, but come I would on. I'd love to see no, Chappelle. Be That's in reality, Rob. That'll never happen. I, it will be never serious. happen, but it'll be great. All right, be great. what's next? 
From uh, Suthius. Oh, there we go. Never heard of Dan Lin, but hey, more Asian power and leadership positions. <laughs> One day we will take over the world. Ray Ray, high yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Why aren't you confident? I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I can't do that much karaoke. I can't do that much karaoke. <laughs> the one thing that is stopping Ray Orr from taking over the world is an absolute absence of ambition. <laughs> yeah, We're going to talk it out and sing karaoke. <laughs> All right, what's next? <laughs> from uh, JCSC Part 2, if you haven't seen it, Three Idiots is one to check out. It does have an uneven tone, but great characters and moments shine brightly throughout. I've heard several people speak very, very highly of that. Like yeah. that That's one that's that some people have put on my radar. I've never gotten around to watching it. I don't know much about it, but I've heard that particular title thrown around a lot. So you're not alone in recommending it. All right, what's next? All right, once more into the breach, dear friend. <gasps> John William. Four of six. Both provide poetic answers that are ultimate affirmations of the human experience. Eternal's answers with the sanctity of choice. Everything Everywhere at Once answers with the kindness and beauty of the little people. All right. We'll keep that in mind as we get to the three right. of the parts. All right. What's next? The finale. <laughs> From Chris Bryant. I have to thank you guys for introducing me to Warrior. Nice. I loved seasons one of two and was losing hope on the third season, but now they've already started shooting. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Okay. Here's the thing. The brilliance about Warrior is that not only is it the best martial arts action TV show on a TV show I've ever seen, it's compelling story. It's great characters. It's wonderful interactions. It's great drama. I, even if they weren't world-class fight scenes going on in it, I would love this show. And I was late to the party. I think it was Dennis who got me turned on to it. To, uh, but I, I was late to the party on this show. And once I started watching, I couldn't stop. I just could. I binged every episode that was available up until that point. And I cannot wait for it to come back. Cannot wait. All right. I'm glad you liked it, man, because I loved it, too. All right. What's next? From uh, Costanza, any thoughts on the Terminal List? Haven't watched it. I haven't either. I watched yeah. the first two episodes. I liked it. Which is weird because I'm, I'm a Chris Pratt fan. Yep. I'm a Chris Pratt fan, but I've just never gotten around to watching Terminalist, so uh, no thoughts yet. All right, what's next? From Antoine Taylor sending a $20 super thank. Thank you, Antoine. Love the show. You guys are amazing. John has a great eye for talent, and all of you entertain me each day. Keep up the great work. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, listen, I, I've said a lot over the years. There, there are certain things I'm good at, certain things I'm not, but I, I think my most important ability and I think this is true all the way back to AMC, is that I think I'm pretty good at being able to, to identify what need we have in whatever team I'm running and identifying people who bring certain things to the table that really will help the team and help that particular need we have. And I, I, I haven't always got it right. Uh, right. I haven't always got it right. <laughs> Ray's one of the right ones. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Here's looking at you, buddy. <laughs> Ray's been with me the that. longest, by the way. Uh, but but yeah, but I think I've I think I've done a pretty good job at that. And I think the people sitting in this room right now. Uh, are kind of a good representation of that. So thank you for that, man. I, I really do appreciate that kind of words. And thank you for supporting us on that level, dude. All right, what's next? 
From Suthius, when Jen is looking at odd jobs listing odd job listings on her laptop, the job below the town bear mascot is Ultron bot cleanup. I find that very interesting. I didn't notice that myself. No. And I've looked at that image a lot. I must have just glazed over that. That's pretty funny. I don't know what that could possibly I don't know what that means. Like how much of how many Ultron bots are still there? Still, they're still cleaning up? All over the place. That's an interesting one though. All right, thanks for pointing that out. What's next? From Sam Fisher, part two, uh, the word came to the U.S. from British kids who had just started using slang with an er, such as words like tenor for a 10 pound note. And also so it came from Jonathan. It came from the U.K.? It tells us things. It's so, so it's not yeah. just a word that North America. No, it's actually originated in, in England. I learn something new every day. I got to start listening to Jonathan more. <laughs> By the way, you guys, you guys may not know this. Um, and uh, but but um, so for the first time. In the history of the John Campia channel, which is like five years now, I actually promoted somebody. Um, and I had uh, promoted uh, Jonathan Voico, producer Jonathan. Uh, he, he has a, actually an official job title now. He is the director of operations of uh, John oh, Campia show. Are you going to make it all business cards? So you would think, maybe I should start listening to him. The guy who I kind of made the director of operations of everything around here. Maybe I should start listening when he starts talking about, usually start speaking and I just go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and tune out, <laughs> right? So uh, That's like with me and Rob. Let me tell you about the origins of That's soccer. True. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> all right, what's next? From Ben Rayner, over under 2%, Ryan Reynolds will guest on the John Campia show within five years. I would love to say over 2%. The reality is under 2%. He's got a lot going on. <laughs> He's got a hell of a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, and I'm a fucking nobody. I forgot about that part too. <laughs> so uh, I, I would love it if it was over 2%, but it is most likely under and then, 2%. And then also making his lower thirds. Man, that would be... Different. Why would we put Ray out like that? Yeah, that's a lot of work making the lower third. Gosh. God. Got to get his Twitter and everything. <laughs> Such a pain in the ass. And you see how long his Twitter handle oh, is? Oh, yeah, it is, like, man. Van City Reynolds. Shorten that down a little bit. All right. I just hope he brings Blake with him. I mean, uh, I, I, listen, I, I, I've had a chance. Seriously, I've had a chance to meet and talk with Blake Lively on a couple of occasions. And she is delightful. She is so sweet, so generous with her time. Like, just like a, a lot of, listen, all the Hollywood folks I've had a chance to interview, the vast, 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 vast majority of them are always very professional, want to give you good answers if they can. But she's one of those people that makes you feel when you're interviewing her, she makes you feel that she's so happy to be having a conversation with you. You know, it's, mm -hmm. and there's, there's not a lot like that. And she's one of them. She's, she's seriously one of the good ones. All right. What's next? All right, from BJ, are those Rob's feet or Chris? Uh, are those Rob's feet or Chris's feet poking out from the table? Probably Rob. Huh? Let's see. Can you well, see feet? No, they all got shot. Well, now. Oh. Right. How would those be <laughs> mine? Even look like they're I my gotta, feet. I gotta get over know. here. Can I get mine? Oh, I guess I can. Oh yeah, there, there you go. go. Oh, that'd be great. You'd all What's look up, like guys? little kids sitting on stools. Yay! <laughs> With that angle, it's just bizarre looking. Usually, you have to do a really big super chat to see those feet, but today, <laughs> you know, he's giving you the goods. Grab that. That's gonna be meme. Can yeah. I tell people about the business idea you pitched oh my to God. me the other day? So, <laughs> we were talking about tears and Taylor because John was like, Chris Carl got to dinner with you, and Taylor said, "No socks, no shoes," and I, <laughs> I was like, "And for an." extra bit of money i'm gonna step on your food for you <laughs> a lot of people send me messages about my feet you guys and i don't understand it and i'm not crazy about it but those who do are very polite 
Like, they're very polite about wanting to see my feet. When Chris said to me, we'll, we'll introduce a tear where, where I and my bare feet, talking about herself, <laughs> I and my bare feet will step on your food. I nearly, I like, I'm not kidding. I nearly fell over. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I literally got up out of my chair and I had to walk away. Like, I, anyway. All right. What's next? From Casinema Reviews. Thoughts on the last couple uh, Harley Quinn episodes? The Joker episode, The Killing Vote, might be one of the best episodes of the whole series. Okay. That is the second to last episode. I have not yet seen, Anne and I were just talking about this this morning, that we got to watch the new episode of Harley Quinn tonight and the new episode of What We Do in the Shadows. Um, so, but I did see the, the Joker premiere thing. So good. So good. And the very fact that Harley and Ivy aren't even in it until the last second and have like two lines and the lines are hilarious in context of the show. It, it was one of the, I would say one of the top five episodes they've had of Harley Quinn so far. It was a great episode. All right. What's next? From Mr. Holdbrook, I instantly thought of you, John, when She-Hulk hated her name because she hates derivative names. Same! I'm <laughs> so happy you wrote that in because that's immediately, I, I thought, well, somebody's watching this show. I can't be a show because I, I don't like, I generally don't like derivative characters. Kid Flash, She-Hulk. Like, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of derivative characters. So when they brought that up, I'm, part of me was like, like the completely egocentric part is like, well, somebody watches the John Campion show. Clearly, that's not the case. But that's what I thought. So I'm glad you brought that up, Oldbrook. All right, what's next? From Matt Boyle. Hey, Rob, what would you think if Andy Lau joined the MCU? And also, did you see they're releasing the Infernal Affairs trilogy on oh, Criterion? Oh, you've seen it. We answered that <laughs> question. Yeah, yeah, we really. asked that earlier. Yeah, like, the same thing. Okay. Yes, I, I'm all for those things. And I already pre-ordered the uh, Infernal Affairs disc. Thank you very much. All right, what's next? From Velocipastor, I think Feige has a ton up his sleeve and the reveal is going to blow us all away. I feel like we've only seen the tip of the iceberg called Feige. I am telling you, D23, bombs are being dropped. And Secret Wars will be the last film of Kevin Feige. I agree with that. I think he'll he'll get a lot of other projects up and running and in process and going. But I, I think after I think after Secret Wars, but I've been saying that for a long time. So, I mean, but, but, uh, but yes, at D23, I think we are going to have our, have our socks blown off. All right. What's next? From Sam Fisher, Wall Street Journal is reporting that NBC may stop programming the 10 to 11 PM hour, giving it back to the local stations. Wait, that's yeah, I just read that. Ooh. I, that's kind of cool. I think that'd be fun. Some Why public not? access stuff. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll take this show. <laughs> Live on oh my gosh. Know, NBC presents if the we, John Campia show. If we did, we've got issues, public access style. With your feet. But no, not on public access. Oh, well. Public access, Rob. Okay, you're I'm sorry. Come on. You're right. No. I'm not going to show Stay my Stay classy, Robert. I know, Robert. <laughs> From Rob's groupie again, get Ray a hot toy or we riot. Whoa. Well, Ray's got to win a bet. Yeah, by the way, I Actually, just want to say he was offered a hot toy. He was offered he was like, a hot nah, toy. I'm waiting for yeah, that. I know, so that will always be my. Uh, yeah, he's been offered. Yeah, I just didn't want to buy just any of them. Just, You're into 12th scale, you know it. Yeah, yeah. Rob's gonna buy me the Batman in honor of my. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> this uh, is the first Matt Rob's Reeves, hearing uh, that. Matt Reeves. <laughs> Come on, can't you tell? Can't you get Warner Brothers consumer products to send us one? I don't. I don't even. Who do I know at Warner Brothers? What are you talking about? Who I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Warner Brothers and Batman. Mm. What are we talking about? Let's move on. Okay, Matt. I mean, Jonathan. All right. Luis Enrique de la Pena. Good news, Chris. What? Japan's soccer national team just released their new jersey, which has different anime panels all over it. I want one so bad. Ooh, I will have to Google that. That sounds really cool. That sounds great. I love it. What's next? 
From Calvin Patel, Dan Lin and his production company is also executive producing Netflix's Avatar The Last Airbender series. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, like, remember, the person running the company is not the director and the chair and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's really interesting to see what they've been able to produce, the, the wide variety of content they're able to produce. And listen, I know some popular say... But I am very much looking forward to this Netflix live action series. Other than HBO, who are the gold standard bearers, Netflix, I think, does the next best job of creating series. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this one turns out. All right, what's next? From Tim Platt. Hey, Chris, Wawa or Sheets? I like both, but prefer Wawa. Prefer Wawa. Wawa, they have better hoagies. Um, but ultimately, if you're talking about like truck stop, gas station things, Bucky's in Texas. That's the All best right. one. I'm sorry. What are we talking about? Wawa and Sheets. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> So in in like the Pennsylvania and I think in New Jersey too, um, it's just convenience stores. Oh, so Wawa okay. and Sheets. Um, I never really went to Sheets. Wawa though, you had like a pastry section and they had pre-made hoagies that were really really good. But then in Texas, there's Bucky's, which is like the ultimate truck stop, and they have a jerky bar, and you can get different flavored jerkies. This I've seen completely... YouTube videos about that. like they, like some of their truck stop like gas it's station little stores are like the size of Walmart. Yeah, they're incredible. Wow. I have two uh, kids in Texas who I vocal coach, and they send me care packages from Bucky's all the time, so I get ghost pepper jerky from them. Wow. <laughs> the <best. laughs> All right, what's next? Um, From Trevor. Can't wait for the Rings of Power next Wednesday. I was able to get tickets an hour and a half away. Austin to Waco. Oof. But it's absolutely worth it. Trevor, you and I. that is a drive. That is a drive. And also Waco. Enjoy that dry county, my friend. Hey, make sure you stop in and see Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah. Um, Wait, you can't drink in Waco? No. What? It's a dry county. No. Yeah, that's why their houses are so friggin' cheap. But, But wait, can you not have a bar? Are you not even allowed to possess alcohol? I believe you can purchase it at other places, but you there's can no pur- bars like in or those anything. dry counties. Typically, you can go out of county, yeah. purchase and bring it in, but and you can you can have it, yeah. but you can't buy it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like I don't drink, and even I think that sounds yeah. horrible. That's that one of the reasons terrible. why. Baylor's why would anybody there? move to Texas after but that? You and I, same time, we'll be sitting down in theaters so watching jealous. New Lord of the Rings on the big screen. Here's hoping it doesn't disappoint. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth, have you guys seen Disney's James and the Giant Peach? Hell yes. yeah. Yep. It's a childhood fave of mine. And what helped the doll estate choose Burton to remake Chocolate Factory? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I like it. It's not a super special film. Like, I don't think it's that great, but, but, but I like it. It's fine. I love the, I read all the Roald Dahl books when I was a kid. I was bummed out they did it stop motion. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see that live action with those giant insects, but it's still, it's good. All right. What's next? And now in the thrilling finale, despite <gasps> it saying 506. Because I'm going to explode. 506, our penultimate. This is personal, but I think Eternals is slightly better by a hair. Human choice as a force to thwart the laws of gods is basically the beginning of the Bible and the dawn of humanity. I mean, it all the, like I like the fact that within everything, everywhere, all at once, amongst all the bonkerness, bonkersness, and, and all the craziness and like sausage fingers and and everything else and all the absolutely crazy, very violent things that happen. At the end of it, the movie's about basically somebody looking for what's the whole point. And I love the kind of conclusion that they come to. And I'm, I'm not going to give any of it away, but the conclusion they come to it is is different from the one that you get in Eternals. Yes, I don't think one is necessarily superior to the other. But it is such a touching, endearing moment of what they realize worth and value comes from. And there's different interpretations of it, but uh, 
Yeah, listen, I like Eternals, I do, but I, I actually would give the nod in that respect, I would give the nod to everything everywhere for mm -hmm. myself. But anyway, but well thought out series of yeah. questions right in. And thank you for sending that in, man. I appreciate that very it's much. It's a lot of support. Very thought-provoking. All right, what's next? From Matt C., thank you all for your work and time. Regarding MGM and Amazon, why hasn't the giant taken advantage of the Stargate property yet? From what we understand, there are plans. Yeah. But listen, when you get something like that, they could have been criticized for, why didn't you take your time or, or whatever? So I think that from everything we understand, there are plans in place. I, I'm absolutely sure they're going to do stuff with Stargate, but, uh, you know, give them a breath. I mean, they literally just got the company. Right. So let, let's see what happens over the next couple of years. All right, what's next? And we looks like we are ending with some support. Brian O'Neill Singleton, Fredo, Fredo, and V. Thank you guys so much. And by the way, Brian sent in like a $10 Super Chat just to be supportive. Yeah. V sent in like a $12 Super Chat just to be supportive. Thank you so much, guys. And listen, we went a little bit over time, but hey, that's okay. Because it's Friday, and that's the end of this week of John Campy Shows. I'm going to let you guys know that normally on uh, days that we don't have a pregame show or a postgame after show, we would do open mics. But we got some work to do around the studio here today, so we're not going to have an open mic today. But also, guys, want to remind you that starting on Monday, we have a new segment on the show called the Mint Mobile Hotline Question of the Day. You guys can phone in your question now if you'd like at 951-268-4259. We will pick one question every day and play it on the show. Maybe you'll hear yourself on our show. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's episode of the John Campy Show. Make sure you subscribe, click the thumbs up button, leave comments, and make sure you guys come back and join us again on Monday. So for everybody in the room, the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr, Joining you guys in the live chat today, of course, Ray Ora <laughs> and, and producer Jonathan Voico back there. Thank you guys so much. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.